You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com, on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter, and take your first step into a larger world. Welcome back. It's episode 108, the first of 2018. I'm Kyle. I'm Corey. And I'm James. Happy New Year, everybody. Glad to be back with you. Man, it's it's been a long time. It's it's We took like a, what, 10-day break from, from stepping away from the microphone, something like that. But it has felt a lot longer. How are you guys doing? Good. Good, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, don't, don't divulge too many details. Well, it's... Uh... It's been interesting, like you said, like, uh, not pa- podcasting, it's, uh, I got the itch probably just a few days ago, like, I was good with it, like, I, I, honestly, I felt like we did need a break, you know, plus with the holiday, and the way the holidays were set up with our recording schedule just didn't kind of work, and it was kind of better like that, and now we're, oh, I'm reinvigorated, let's do this thing. Ooh, he's reinvigorated, everybody, we'll see how long that lasts. James, how's it going, man? I'm doing alright, I had a good, uh, holiday as well, and... 10 days, eh? It did feel longer. But I, I've been I've been busy, keeping busy with, with all the family stuff and holiday stuff, so it, it flew by. I'm sure it did for you guys, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought this break would be much more uh, recuperative and uh, reinvigorating, but it wasn't. But here we are. We're back. It's episode 108. Um, hey, let's, let's, let's welcome Carrie to the new, to the Powerful Friends community. It, it was a great way, uh, you know, I was, I was with the kids, I was, between Christmas and, and New Year's, I'm driving around. I got an alert on my phone. Check it out. Hey, I've got a new powerful friend, and there's there's Carrie. So uh, it was it was just a, a great way to end 2017. So uh, thank you, Carrie, for joining us. Yeah, we'll hear a, welcome. Yeah, and Carrie just posted some awesome pics um, in the Tumbling Saber uh, group from. Jesus, oh, she was at like like that Star Wars fantasy land. And down in Florida, just some incredible pictures. So jealous. Yeah, seriously, eh? Yeah, man, so cool. So check that out, and come say hi to Carrie. And uh, I guess on that note, if anyone out there is on the fence, one you want to start the year your Star Wars fandom on the right note, head to to head to Patreon.com/slash/TumblingSaber like Carrie did, and uh, get yourself uh, become a powerful friend and get yourself the exclusive Sith Disturbers podcast. Uh, early access to Journals of the Willing and Worthy of Recognition, which you can be a part of. And then, uh, you know, our, our monthly access, our, our access to our monthly pl- prize draws, and uh, which, oddly enough, have been much more than monthly recently. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so on that note, Corey, let, let's let's take a moment to figure out what we want to play for this month. What, what, what do we want to throw out there for the Powerful Friends oh, in January? I don't even know what's left in the loot bag anymore, man. Honestly. Well, geez, we should have took director some... of promotions. Oh, you need the... to send me an inventory. I should be giving you, you shit right now. Why am you I telling you? Job. Why am I? Why am I telling you to send me inventory of this stuff? Jesus, Kyle, do I have to do everything around You're here? You're the director of promotions. You're supposed to be on top of this stuff. I want. I want an inventory <laughs> list before the end of the show. Okay. Well, I'm gonna pull rank here. I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. Go. Go. We're gonna this this, this month. I think you know. 
uh, given given the Last Jedi, given all the the cool stuff we saw in that movie, um, yeah, I think it, it being Carrie Fisher's last movie, I think we're gonna give away our 40th anniversary Princess Leia figure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think you know, out of respect for Carrie Fisher, one year since her passing, uh, may she rest in peace. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's do 40th anniversary Carrie Fisher Princess Leia figure. I nice like prize. that. Just on, on that note, quickly. Uh, I sent you guys a message um, a couple of weeks ago, actually, and it was so odd, man. It's like I almost had like a flashback. Uh, I was walking down the hallway into my kitchen, and it just kind of like hit me. It was like probably like 6, 7 p.m. at night or something, and I just took a deep breath. It was the 23rd of December, and I was like, this is the night last year that Carrie Fisher suffered from a heart attack. Like she didn't pass that night. I think it was the 27th she had actually passed, but... Uh, just, I was, I was, it kind of floored me just the way it kind of hit me. You know, it's not like I was really thinking about it out of nowhere. And it, it almost felt like I was, I was where I was the year before when I found out too, in a way, like it was really odd. I'm, yeah. I remember getting that message from you. I was like, oh God, already? Yeah. We've been robbed. Yep. I, I, God, I can't say how much I loved her in, in The Last Jedi, man. Amen. Uh, let's move on. It's positive here. So we got uh, two new reviews. Two new reviews for Tumbling Saber in the last little while. Um, let's, re- let's read those now. Uh, so the first one says, Awesome diverse Star Wars discussion. First, everyone involved in this pod is great. Awesome people. Second, they know Star Wars and love talking about it. We do. The films are front and center, obviously, but they talk about so much more. Keep up the great work from David Jesse from the Tatooine Sons podcast, who you should also be checking out. Great concept. Really cool little show going on there. Yeah, likewise. I listened to uh, two shows this week of theirs and good stuff, guys. Yeah, it's a cool concept. I like what they're doing. So thank you, David Jesse from Tatooine Sons podcast. Subscribe to them on Apple Apple Podcasts, I think it is. Man, I don't remember any of this podcasting business. It is Apple. Apple Podcasts now. And the second one says, totally awesome. Tumbling Saber is what every Star Wars fan needs. Great joy and excellent analysis from my certain point of view. May the force be with you from Neil Lowry. Love that guy. Thank you so much, both of you, Neil and David. Love the, love the getting, <sighs> yeah. getting the reviews. Neil's like the most positive guy out there on Twitter, man. If you're not following him, you should because he's like a ray of sunshine, man. Well, who, who isn't in our community? Everybody's a ray of sunshine. True. Stubaka and yes, Ads Stu, and yeah. Neil and... Everybody, man. All right. Uh, so let's see. Collecting updates. That's that's usually what we do next, Corey. Anything you want to share that you haven't shared since Christmas? Uh, well, you know what? I actually finally got out there today. Went out there and did a little shopping just because it's been so cold. Didn't really want to go out recently. And yeah, so I found found a few, few things out there today. Uh, there was another Praetorian Guard Black Series. And there was also the Snowtrooper. Both I want badly, but I told myself when I was going out there today, I'm like, I'm buying one thing and one thing alone when I go out. Like, I got to have a bit of willpower and control this year. You know, that should be one of my resolutions. <laughs> but whatever, my, my birthday's in two days. Actually, when this pod drops, it's my birthday, actually. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there and get... Oh, yeah, your stuff still, ha- that your stuff still hasn't arrived, yeah, by the way. how convenient. Uh... <laughs> well, you know what? But yes, how convenient. But I did think ahead because, you know, I didn't think it was going to arrive based on my interactions with uh the people selling the stuff so i you know i i I thought ahead but continue with your story 
anyway, yeah, so I had the Praetorian Guard. I have one already. This is a different one. Uh, then I also had the Snowtrooper in hand. And I'm like, they were the only ones there again. And I'm like, oh, man. And then I saw Bob Ross Funko Pop. <laughs> I saw that too. Oh, I was just like, yeah, Bob, you're coming with me. Like, sorry, guys. I put down the Praetorian Guard and the Snowtrooper. And hopefully, you know, hopefully they're still there because, you know, I'm going to have to buy myself a little birthday present this week. And it wasn't Bob Ross, but that was still super awesome. It made my day. <laughs> a Star Wars collecting update featuring Bob Ross? Yeah. The joy of painting Star Wars. That's a, that's a happy little update. <laughs> <laughs> James, did you just name this episode? <laughs> I think you did. So, Corey, I did think ahead. And if you want to open your birthday presents now... You can do so, because I just dropped you a little PDF via Facebook of all the gifts that I've actually purchased for you, but don't actually have. So if, if you're so willing, if you, if you want to spoil the surprise a couple days early, you can do that. Because hmm. when people actually hear this, it'll, it will be your birthday. Do I want to do this right now? I don't know. I want to open it on my birthday, though. I'm like that. Uh, well, that's your call. You're you're depriving your listeners of uh, a moment of fun, of uh, unbridled joy here. I could tell well, them next week. If you would have tagged oh, you know me, what? I could have oohed and odd, but they're not in my box. <laughs> you know, pre- ask me next week and I'll pretend to have forgotten. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretend. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember for sure. I'm not, I'm all curious now. It's like it's sitting me right in the face. I'm looking at the PDF file here and I'm like, should I? But I can't. Come on, Kyle. Don't do this. Why are you doing this? You know, I'm just trying to be upfront here saying this is what I've gotten you. Even though I can't deliver it to you yet for for multiple reasons, uh, I wanted to show you what actually I did pick up for you. But go ahead. You can you can deprive the listeners. That's fine. <laughs> Guilt. <laughs> All right. Let's just, let's just move ahead and we'll let Corey sit with that guilt for a while. Um, oh, actually, you know what? This will this actually twist Corey up in further knots. So I ran a poll this week. I don't know if you guys saw it. I did. I noticed. I noticed. I noticed Corey was very quiet online this week. So I don't know if you saw it. Did you? I did see it, and uh, you you are correct. Uh, I've been very quiet on the social media since uh, I guess since the holidays. Um, I don't know. I just kind of needed a bit of a break from it. I guess like just. But I've been I've been kind of there and on and off, you know. But. All right. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I just, I did take a step back. For oh, a bit. we're getting things off to a rocking start here in 2018. Oh my god, sharp as grapes. Anyhow, before we get into the news, I got one more thing to tell you. But go on. Oh boy, is this another Bob Ross related thing? No, it's perfect though. Is it? It is. Okay, well, let's hear it. All right. So last night I was watching uh, a New Hope. I watched actually the whole trilogy on TV with commercials and everything. I just I went through the whole trilogy, the original trilogy. It was on TV. I think it was Showcase. And uh, anyhow, I watched A New Hope with Nolan. And he was totally into it. Like, he just sat there the whole time. He was just laying on me, asking questions, uh, getting more and more tired. But I swear to God, you'd be so proud of him, Kyle. This is your nephew. Ceremony at the end. He asks me, how come Chewie didn't get a medal? Nice. I swear to God. I was just like, exactly. And he was like, looked at me like, what? <laughs> and I was like, you're like, I don't know. I just kind of explained this to him. You're right. How come Chewie didn't get a medal? 
it's not fair, eh? It's awesome. Well, the, the canon explanation is that uh, it's the rebellion couldn't afford actual gold, so it's just like a cheat coating, and his skin itches <laughs> through through all that <laughs> fur. <laughs> Oh, James, don't question the minutiae. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, back to my poll for 2018. What are you most looking forward to in Star Wars? Four options. You looking forward the, looking forward to The Last Jedi on Blu-ray? You looking forward to the Rebels finale? The Han Solo movie? Or news on Ryan Johnson's trilogy? Uh, so we, I had 158 votes. But Corey, wh- did you vote in the poll? Yep. Me too. Wh- what was your choice? To be honest, uh, it was a real, real toss-up for me. Like, all these things are kind of within small margins. Um, but, you know, just to show it some love, just to pump the numbers a bit, because I, I, I voted Rebels. But I don't necessarily know that's the case. You know, there is a movie this year, uh, one of my favorite characters of all time. But, you know, it's the grand finale of Rebels as well, so I, I kind of had to pump their tires a bit. I'm glad you did. They needed help. James, what, what did you pick? Solo. As did most people. I, I think that's what I... Actually, I didn't vote in my own poll. I don't think I can. Um, but yeah, 49% of people out of 158 voters, 49% said Han Solo, which is not surprising at all. Following that, 22% The Last Jedi Blu-ray. And then closely following, following behind that, The Rebels finale. And then uh, coming in last is news on Johnson's trilogy. But the results, I think... A couple of interesting takeaways out of that, and it has nothing to do with the Han Solo movie, because any year where there's a, a Star Wars movie coming, that's that's going to run away with it, right? But I thought well, the the middle parts of the results are quite interesting to me because all these things are kind of happening in and around the same time, winter spring time, for us. The Last Jedi is supposed to be coming out on Blu-ray like March 27th is the report from the Digital Bits. Uh, the Rebels finale is probably going to be right in that neighborhood. And then like a month after that is Han Solo. But what do you guys think here is... is I, I, For me, this is kind of a little bit of proof that Rebels is not up every Star Wars fan's like bowling alley, up their wheelhouse. Oh, what, yeah. Corey, what do you take away? Well, I definitely take that away from this and just, you know... Having been podcasting with you for the past, I guess, two years now, um, I've really noticed that, you know, the people who love it, love it. And there are a lot of people who kind of find it meh. A lot of people haven't had the time to get into it as of yet, which I I kind of did find surprising just because, I mean, I'm biased. I mean, I love it so much. But, uh, yeah, it does mean a lot because my my poll didn't really go that way. Like, I'm more eager to hear something about Ryan Johnson's new trilogy, which is a long ways off, in my opinion, but I'm more eager, eager to hear that than The Last Jedi Blu-ray, because I, I know we're getting that at one point, you know? Like, I, I know it's coming soon. Like, I, I can wait for that. I'm not as excited. Like, I'm excited, but I know it's inevitably coming. I know what you mean. James, do you take anything out of these weird results? Uh, I, just, I think just it highlights what you were saying about... Um... The animated series, it's it, it has its niche. Certainly, it's it's got its hooks in pretty hard to to a percentage, but uh, it's not it's not all of Star Wars fandom that is into uh, to Rebels. Back off, James. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I, just just uh, just what I said, Corey. Rebels sucks. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> 
It's not very nice. Oh boy, shots fired. Jeez. Um, yeah. I, I wonder if it's a little bit like Star Wars fandom. We're a little bit like like kittens where we just want the, the shiny ball of yarn right in front of us right now. Because these, these are the two things that are closest on the horizon. Whereas the, the Johnson Trilogy stuff, who knows when we're going to get news on that. So that's at 9%. But the question I have on that, is that number so low because it's so far off and it's, you know, we have other fish to fry first? Or is it part of it, uh, like fan, I guess fan displeasure with his work on The Last Jedi? Uh, is, is there some mistrust there now and it's kind of tamped down his number? What do you guys think about that? I don't know. I think it's I, possible. I could see that. But in the same right, I think, you know, we're we're a long ways off from hearing much of anything about what he's doing over. We don't even we we have no idea when it's even going to start filming or uh debut. Like there's been no release of that, so I, I don't think we're My gonna... money's on 2021. Kind of makes sense. That's what I'm banking on. Yeah, Kyle, I think there's there's definitely fans that feel that way. I I certainly do. It it it's last on my list of those four things for that exact reason. I, I'm, I'm sure my interest will return and and get peaked as the hype builds. But right now, when I see the the R I A N at the beginning of an article, I'm like meh, and I, I I'll move on to something else. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it was last for me as well, and not because I mean I I loved the Last Jedi, and I made no secret about that. But for me, like I'm I'm that kitten. There's there's Things closer on the horizon that I'm more invested in. Han Solo, chief among them. It's 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 the next Star Wars movie for God's sakes. And yes, the Rebels finale is is a, a big deal in my mind. And the Last Jedi on Blu-ray, like Corey said, we're, we know we're getting that. So yeah, you know, I think if you fine. ask the question a different way, you'd get a different answer. Because when you put it like that, you're right. If if Han Solo was coming out in 2021, and Ryan's trilogy was coming out in May, I, my answer would be way different. Even though they're the same things that they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, for sure. It's it's proximity bias. Is that a thing? I don't know. Proximity bias. I like the sound of it though. See, it's, it's for me. It's almost like the opposite. It's like a you want the things you can't have. So it's like the the Ryan Johnson thing. Like I'm so curious to see where he's going to go with this, where it's going, when it's going to be. All these questions. So like that's the thing that's kind of eating away at me more because like these other things that are so close to us, I know we're getting them so soon. So I'm just like. They'll be here sooner rather than later. But this other thing, I have known nothing about it. N- nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing about it. Uh, we'll touch back on, on Ryan's trilogy uh, a little bit later, once we get to the binary sunset. Uh, but I just I wanted to ask you guys about your experience during the lead-up to The Last Jedi. Not the movie itself, but just how you approach things going in. Like, being part of this podcast, being part of fandom, the whole online bit of it. What are you going to do for Solo regarding spoilers, reviews? Are you going to try and replicate your experience from The Last Jedi? Or are you going to try and... Because it's Han Solo, it's not super important in terms of uh, its, ta- its, I guess, stance in canon. Are you going to upend the experience for yourself and maybe spoil yourself rotten? What are you going to do, James? Uh, I'm going... It's not because it's... it's uh... I'm holding it in higher esteem or anything, but I'm going to go spoiler-free on this, even though I sort of spoiled myself on the last two movies. But the reason is just is simply because I had more fun when I've done that. I've enjoyed like the movies more. 
um, when I've gone in more unspoiled. And so I'm going to try that again. Yeah, I kind of did the same. Well, for The Last Jedi, I was relatively unspoiled, I, I like to think. Like, there were some things that happened in the movie. I had no clue that they were going to happen. Not a clue at all. Like, Snoke dying. No idea. That that came out of left field. Um, the, the, the Rey and Kylo fight. I didn't suspect that was going to happen either. Um, but yeah, so I... I, I I'm glad that I got that experience from The Last Jedi. I'm not sure what I'm going to do for Han Solo yet. I, I don't know, because we're, we're still at this point where we don't know a lot about the plot or anything, really. I don't know. I guess I guess once we start seeing f the first drips of real spoilery news or maybe even a trailer coming up, I guess at that point, I'll have that will be the gun-to-my-head moment where I have to decide, do, <laughs> do I want to be spoiled at all? Or I'm going to push you, Kyle, to go unspoiled, and here's here's why. Because you're already super spoiled when it comes to this movie. You already know a ton. So keep keep as much to yourself, like keep as much away from yourself as you can. You know he gets the Falcon. Like, you know he bonds with you. You know a lot about what happens without knowing the plot. So I don't know. I think for me it's going to be more enjoyable to know less. Yeah, I, I'm, I may try and, like my f initial gut reaction is to say I'm going to try and replicate what I did for Last Jedi, which is to say just... The official things, trailers, talk about that. But if there's spoiler reports, I might back away from those completely. That might be the route to take here. But, Corey, what, what are you going to do? I don't know. I just want to say the, the ship's starting to leak. Uh, we've seen tidbits here and there, and it's going to come sooner rather than later, I believe. Uh, it all depends on how Lucasfilm wants to handle this whole marketing... Uh, their whole marketing scheme or however they want to plan it out or whatever they're going to do, whatever they're going to show us I'm kind of on board with that like the way we did The Last Jedi uh, I didn't get into any big spoilers or anything like that, like the movie took me totally off guard we discussed what we discussed, it was all kind of official news I'm going to stay in that in that vein uh, I'll watch the trailer, I hope the trailers don't give us too much, like James said we already kind of do know quite a bit about this movie we know we got Spice Mines of Kessel, the Kessel Run, uh, Falcon, Lando, uh, Chewie. Well, you know, if we, I think we could have guessed that, though, right? Like, the minute they announced Han Solo movie in production, we was, oh, they're going to show us the Kessel Run. Lando's going to be in it. We're going to see how he meets Chewie. He, we're going to see how he meets the Falcon. Like, we could have guessed all those moments. Oh, sure we did. I'm sure we did. High degree. Yeah. Like, yeah. Boba Fett. A huge degree of confidence. Jabba, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, so I, it's, that'll be the thing for me. Like, it'll, it'll be all about the official trailers and press releases or whatever. Yeah. And we'll talk about those things. Yeah, the, the, the spoiler reports, I'm, I think I'm going to stay away from. Yeah. I, I, I'm, At least I'll attempt to. I have a strong will, strong aversion to those things. I can, I can do it no problem, to be honest. <laughs> Corey's legendary willpower. It's true. I'm looking, at, I'm looking yeah. at your PDF file right now of all these supposed presents you bought me. Oh, that hurts, man. I'm sorry. I appreciate Supposed it. Supposed presence. Jeez. It's the fridge thing with the, the, the Luke, the old man Luke. That's what, got, <laughs> that's what did it for you, man. <laughs> it's still there. I still see it like 20 times a day. Awesome. Okay. Um, quickly. What, actually, you know what? It's it's sort of, um, you know what this, again, just to finish up on this poll, it kind of points to how crazy the first half of 2018 is going to be. With the Blu-ray coming, with Rebels ending, 
and then capping it with Han Solo. Like, geez, think about that. March, April, and then May for, for Han Solo. The, the whole first half of 2018 is going to be nuts. And then it's just going to fall off a cliff. We, like, there's nothing planned for the back half of the year. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it's going to be bleak, man. We, we have... It's going to be a blue what? Christmas, man. A blue milk Christmas. Yeah, no at kidding. Least we'll have your, at least we'll have your, uh, your Sithmas special to look forward to, Corey. <laughs> Let's do this thing. You won't get us this time, Kyle. I promise. All right. We'll see. All right. So, um, and Corey, you mentioned it. The, the ship is starting to leak. So I think the avalanche of Han Solo news is going to start really breaking soon. That dam is about to give way. Uh, we learned last week that uh, John Williams is going to write Han's theme in the Han Solo movie, which struck me as bizarre. James, how did that strike you? Uh, I, it's funny. I thought of you right away because whenever it comes to Star Wars music and John Williams, I just always think of you right away. And I, I wondered if you would like it. Like that, that was my first thought when I, when I think you linked me to the to the news in probably on Twitter, maybe it was Facebook. Um, I thought, wow, I wonder if I wonder if Kyle likes this. Personally, I I don't think you can go wrong putting John Williams music anywhere. So no. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how it fits. I have no idea what the score, like what the music sounds like to date. So, to to comment on how it's going to fit in is ridiculous anyway. But um, I like the idea. It's it's hard not to be on board when John Williams says he's going to do some Star Wars music. It's it's you'd have to be a fool. It just, yeah. it just strikes me as a as, as a bizarre direction. Like John Powell is a very capable composer. It just. Again, this is this is not to say anything bad about John Williams. Maybe John Williams spoke up and said, "Like, I feel like he's my character. I know this is like a different movie, but I feel like I feel like he's mine." Yeah, yeah. Or maybe Lucasfilm just said, "Hey, listen, let's let's do the right thing. Let's give John Williams the option to score a character he's never scored, and then give everything, give the baton back to John Powell." Is, does that sound okay with you, John Powell? And he, are you kidding? I get to collaborate with John Williams, of course. I don't know. How do you see it, Corey? Yeah, I, you guys pretty much said what I have written almost word for word. Like I said, like um, I think John Williams kind of always has dibs, and he so if he so chooses, like James said, maybe he's inspired by Han Solo. He loves Han Solo. He, he has to write something for him, you know, like like he wants to be involved. So like as soon as he says, "Hey guys, I, I want to be involved," it's people jump, you know, as well they should. Yeah, exactly. I'm fully on board with that. Like, we can't. It's definitely not going to do it any harm, that's for sure. No. <laughs> it's it's definitely not. And then uh, John Powell will, will kind of build off of that for the rest of the score, which is fine by me. Anything inspired by John Williams, um, hey, it, that's my you get my uh, stamp of approval there. And then um, this weekend, I guess the big deal was some leaked Lego pictures, which I know has got Carlos just tickled pink. He is absolutely beside himself with all of these pictures of, of Lego. So this is potentially spoilery. It's and pretty cool, though. About... Carlos was supposed to come yeah. on the show tonight, but he's already in line at the Lego store. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a three-and-a-half-month wait. It's, you know, it's minus 20 outside, and Carlos is camped out by the Lego store. Stuff looks that cool. Yeah, I mean... 
we were talking about it earlier with Carlos on Facebook saying he, he kind of said like I wasn't super on board with this movie like he's happy to watch it of course but seeing these pictures kind of give kind of breathe some life into the spirit of the movie a little bit and he's like now I'm all in and I kind of feel the same way I, I needed something to I, I guess trigger that next reflex the, the next level of interest in this film it's now that funny. we've seen The Last Jedi I guess you kind of clear the decks but uh, yeah it's funny you say that in a way, because I didn't know there was this, like, sort of common theme of apathy f- towards uh, the Solo movie, but there is. A very good friend of mine, Brian Carde, um, who I've known since, like, elementary school and who's a huge Star Wars guy, posted, like, a week ago um, something to the effect of, of uh, you know, Lando's cast... The fact that they, they cast Glover in its Lando role only makes him want to see the movie a little bit now as opposed to almost not at all before. And I thought to myself, that's so weird. But since then, uh, I've heard more and more people say what you just said, that they're sort of, it's very low on their radar, which I find crazy. Yeah, well, it's the same kind of thing with the Obi-Wan movie and Yoda. It's like, I don't need to learn more about their, their history. Give me something different that we don't know about. Like I, like, I like Han's past being shrouded in mystery. Same with Yoda. Why are you fleshing that out? And I, the answer is because they can. Um, but yeah, now seeing this, these things coming to reality, I'm getting more excited. I'm 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 more on board. Corey, what's your first sentiment? Yeah, I'm on. I've been on board since the beginning. Uh, you guys know that. I I think it's it's on solo. I mean, come on, you know they were gonna do it at one point, and there's so much fodder there that they can work with to make this awesome story. And it's gonna take place over a long period, so you really we're gonna get to see how how Han probably changes a lot as a person to become the person we see in A New Hope and the situation that he's in at that point in his life. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious. There's a lot going on in this movie. It's got a lot going for it, cast-wise, uh, script, uh, director. You've seen the script? Well, we heard that, I think it was, who was it? <laughs> Lawrence Kasdan, was it? That uh, Lawrence Kasdan is writing with his son. Who Who is it? That's a while. Well, I have full faith in Lawrence Kasdan, personally, and... Uh, Someone... Oh, it was uh, Ian McKegg, yeah, conceptual was... artist, who said it was the best screenplay he'd ever seen in his life. And that that could okay. be well, that, that's yeah, okay, that's great. That that could be a little bit of you know cooking for the home team there. I don't know. It just seems like it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a bit different as a Star Wars movie. Uh, like we see some of these pictures, like Lando's still got a cape. Everyone looks really. The characters look awesome. I like that they used Kira. That's kind of who Ray was supposed to be just spelt differently, I believe. Yeah, that was an old screen name for her code name, whatever you want to call it. But, um, yeah, like the, I, I, I like, yeah, I like the graphics they've chosen. It's sort of a fresh color palette for star Wars. It looks kind of it's, retro it's a, a bit still too, you know, with like, uh, like his speeder Han Solo speeder looks like, I don't know. It looks like some kind of like something out of the seventies or eighties dragster. I don't know. Like, Okay, so again, so a little bit of a spoiler warning. I know we just said we weren't going to spoil ourselves, but give us a break. This is our, our first foray into Han Solo news. So uh, we got five Lego sets, and I guess we'll, we'll let's just start with the big one. We'll see how far this goes. We'll start with the Falcon, and a very different-looking Falcon. And this is something that MSW had... Yeah, they nailed it. War- well, yeah, they kind of told us that we're getting a different-looking Falcon well, they, they had, than they what had we're a- used to. They had an artist like 
draw what they had seen, and it's pretty much spot on. No, that the image they used, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I think that was from the... It's the concept art maybe from The Force Awake. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Revenge of the Sith. Hmm. I, maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah, I'm probably wrong about that. But it's it's something that was used elsewhere before, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, what what is your take on this really weird-looking falcon? Well, I, I just want to ask you guys. I don't know if you have a photo close by, but I kind of looked at it over and over and over again. Like, we Obviously, it's clear that the nose of the ship is different, right? It's all one piece. But if you really look at it, like I, it almost to me feels like it's longer as well. Like I don't think it's just a matter of taking that center piece out of it to make it pronged and like a fork. But I like something I think has to happen because that whole piece seems a little more elongated to me. I don't know if it's just a visual trickery or whatever, or an illusion. Oh, it could be just per- the perspective of the image. But yeah, you're not wrong. It just looks. I don't know. Like something. Something may happen to the ship. By the end of this film, you know, oh, I think there's. That's oh, I think for it sure. will. That's un- undoubtedly something's going to happen to the ship yeah, to like, change the look of it. It's going like to take, take some damage, like the gravitational pull from the uh, uh, the Kessel Run or something like that. Kind of mangles it a bit. So where where my mind immediately went was that they load up. My guess is that it's like a little detachable shuttle cargo, like maybe a little cargo hold type shuttle. And they, you know, they, the Imperials come to raid the ship, and he just he loads it up full of his contraband and dumps it, and that's sort of the reference we get in A New Hope, right? So I, I wonder if that's where that comes from. But also, I love that, Kyle. That's great. Yeah, that's, well, it, it kind of it plugs in conveniently, but it also it's oh look, there's another wink. Uh huh. Look at that. This movie's also, gonna be I, all about winks. They can't not wink like that, though. They have to do that stuff. Oh, they're. Yeah, but I guess it, it, what I'm saying is that they could do... I mean, this could be the Falcon we get for two or three movies. I mean, Han Solo could be around as a, as a standalone series for a while, and we might see the, the Falcon slowly evolve. No, stop it. No, that's not... No. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, it's possible, but my, my feeling is that it, this is a kind of one-and-done Han Solo flick, unless it goes gangbusters, and they decide, okay, well, people love this. Let's do another. <laughs> yeah, but, he, but <clears throat> even if that's the case, their plan for the solo for for the uh, Falcon isn't going to be based on maybe a, an awesome reaction prompting more films. Like they've got this, this you know, they've got its uh, journey hashed out already. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, so interesting to note that this is actually called Kessel Run Millennium Falcon. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's, there's there's it's confirmed, and I mean, yeah, Ron Howard confirmed it as well at one point too. Yeah, he hinted toward it quite heavily. And so a couple of key differences about the Falcon is the radar dish. It's sort of pointing straight up. It's a, it's a round dish, but pointing straight up with something kind of poking out of it. So it's it's not the dish we get in the OT. And that was one key thing. And then, um, geez, who was it on, on Facebook who, who said, yeah, now look at the cannon. Was it Dave Donovan? I apologize, whoever it was. To look look at the top mounted cannon. It's not a, it's not the quad blaster. It's it's one. It's it's a single cannon. I made a few special modifications myself. Why is there so much blue on it in the Lego version? I think it was used for a different purpose when Lando had it. Yeah, Lando was pimping in it. <laughs> anyway, it comes with a bunch of figures. It comes with boy, that's uh, who's that there? That's Kira. 
one version of Kira. It comes with Han Solo, Chewie, Lando. Uh, the droid played by uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I believe, comes in this set, whose name I es escapes me right now. And it also comes with... Uh, that's the Kessel, the Kessel Operations droid. And lastly, DD... Uh, what's his name? It's DD something, but... DDBD. Is that the droid played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge? I'm not sure. So. Is it? Because that's going to be awesome because it looks like it looks like an R2 unit and a gonk droid had babies. Yeah. <laughs> it is a weird-looking little droid. Um, and then I, th I think the character that I, I skipped over there was, was Key or K Tolsite, which I want to say is the character being played by Tandy Newton. But again, I might be wrong. But I'm looking at that that Kessel Operations droid, and I'm thinking that maybe that's the guy that's gonna the droid that's gonna have its arms pulled off by a certain Wookie. I hmm. hope. Another wink, right? Yeah, it's true. And of course, Lando's got the cape. Yeah, the cape. Is, of course, gotta have the cape. Chewie looks a lot different. He's not. I mean, let's let's not get carried away with with Lego pictures, but he's not carrying his bowcaster. And he's got uh, two belts instead of the one over his shoulders. I didn't notice so that. Interesting actually. to note there. What about what about those Corellian hounds? It kind of starts pointing more and more toward the fact that I think Corellia might not necessarily be the most hospitable place. Which I, in my uh, my head canon, I always imagine Corellia as this like cool, like peaceful planet for some reason. I don't know where that came from, but I don't know. Uh oh! I just... Some violated head cannon. Look out! <laughs> I don't. I don't care. I'm just surprised really? a bit. No, yeah, I'm just surprised. <gasps> All right, so that's the Falcon. I'm really tempted to pick up this set. Really, really tempted. I mean, I don't. I know some people don't like the look of this, but I'm. Hey, I'm all for it, man. Give it. Give us a different look. Why not? And especially, if, I hope we kind of find out exactly why it becomes the way it becomes with Han. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Jeez, do they have time to put all that in this movie? Well, you can see by Modify. the end... Maybe by the end of the movie, like like we said, it's all messed up, and like he kind of has to put it back together. Yeah, maybe. Uh, James, what, what, like when you first saw this Falcon, was this sort of like, oh, that's not the Falcon I know, or were you like, oh, cool. Hey, did we lose James? I don't know. I didn't hear him fall off. Ah, well, maybe I'll just slip in some, some fake text for James. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's let's move on and see if James catches back up with us. Um next up, let's talk about Moloch's speeder and uh yeah, Mo yeah, Moloch's speeder. Yeah. The the, a, the vehicle it's a really is a unique looking thing, right? The vehicle itself was kind of like whatever but like the character the characters are very Star Wars right yeah and where is he Moloch and Rebolt and they have that comes with a pair of Corellian hounds they look nasty hey sorry about that guys nasty. jumped out of the call there for a sec <laughs> I apologize that's alright did did you like your Skype dropped out on you no my mom uh, called my uh, 
someone's in the hospital. It's not a big deal. I knew they were in the hospital, but I was looking for the update. So I just, as soon as I saw the phone, I just jumped away. No problem. No problem. Um, all right. So, well, James, I asked, I asked before I realized you were gone. Uh, what was your initial thought on seeing a much different Falcon? Was it like, oh God, or was it, okay, well, this looks kind of cool. I thought we would see a different Falcon. I, I wasn't shocked. I didn't, I didn't think it would look unrecognizable, but I thought they'll take the opportunity to show us that over time it's gone through a bunch of modifications. Um, yeah, or damage or something. So, yeah, I wasn't shocked at all. And, I, I, yeah, you got to make it look a little different for the for the merchandising aspect. Otherwise, people will see no reason to pick it up, right? Yeah, there's that too. Merchandising, merchandising. Uh, next, we had moved on to Moloch's speeder, which kind of looks like the Star Wars version of almost like a, a jeep. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what else to call this thing. It's sort of a Jeep-looking thing. It is an odd-looking vehicle, but I, like Corey said, I, I, the, the characters that come with it look very Star Wars. Can't wait to see those guys. Yeah, one of them looks and like almost like a slaver with his whip, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, from there, we can move on to... Let's, let's, I guess I think Han Speeder is the next natural thing to talk about because I think Moloch Speeder and Han Speeder we're at that set uh, in in the UK. We saw I, we saw behind the scenes video of those things kind of whipping around. Back before back when uh, Lord and Miller had the reins on this project. And again, there's a Corellian Hound that comes boxed with that, along with Han Solo and Kira. But I love like I'm definitely picking this up. If nothing else, I'm going to get Han Solo and his his land speeder. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a collector at all, but I could see why people would want these toys. There's a few of them that are extra cool looking and I, I don't think it, it's just because they're from the Han Solo movie but it might be that like anything attached to Han just seems extra cool to me yeah wait, <laughs> wait till we see them in action yeah uh, Corey your thoughts on the, the Han Solo land speeder yeah it looks awesome like it looks like uh, something the neutrinos would fly from early Ninja Turtles yeah it's it's yeah it's it's neutrinos mixed with a 70s muscle car yeah Corey do you know what I just found out about the Ninja Turtles What's that? They they never hit anybody with their weapons. Only fists <laughs> and kicks. <laughs> Seems like a waste. Did you know that? Donatello might. Donatello might. No man. Apparently, uh, you know what? I haven't followed up on this, but from a fairly reliable source, they never they never whack anybody. They just punch and kick. They use their weapons to like block stuff, and but they don't Donat- hit. Or, yeah, I'm, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to look. If into they're fighting. It. Yeah, if they're fighting someone with another weapon, it's always like parry, parry. Like it's not like they ever stab anyone. I know what you mean. Yeah, the weapons don't make contact with people. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> the first, the first tangent of 2018. Thanks, James. Boy, I'm I'm, I'm naming uh, episodes. I'm taking us on tangents. We're switching hats, Corey. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we got a couple Imperial vehicles, which is. This kind of surprises me. Like, we knew the Empire was involved, but it seems like the Empire is going to have a pretty big role in this, which I'm kind of su- a little bit surprised about. Uh, the first one's a speeder, a little patrol speeder, big deal. Comes with a new-looking stormtrooper, and uh, uh, some kind of Death Star officer-looking thing, and uh, an off- another type of officer. But we also get a cool-looking full-size TIE fighter, which comes with a Mimban, Stormtrooper, which nice to see Mimban being brought into canon. Uh, 
Yeah, what's up with maybe that? It already was. He's got a cape. Love it. Maybe this is... Is that Phasma's father? I was just going to say <gasps> the same thing. Oh, my God. Read my mind, bro. <laughs> Put it on express.co.uk. <laughs> um, and it has Han and Tobias Beckett, played by Woody Harrelson, both in Imperial garb. So is this them as part of the Empire or disguises? I'm thinking it's disguises. At what this point, think? once I saw... The first thing I saw was just a, a small clip of Han, right? Online. And I was like, ooh, okay, this points to what we've heard back in the day from the old legend stuff that in his early days he was a part of the Academy, which would kind of coincide with that. And I'm still okay with that. But this, now that Beckett's there, kind of more indicates to me that they are in disguise at one point. I think so. I think so. James? I have no opinion, so I'll disagree with Corey. (laughs) (laughs) That is fair enough. Um, okay, that's it for this Lego stuff. Anything else uh, you, either of you want to say on the Lego that we didn't cover? That stuff gets lost so easily. I love stepping on it. <laughs> oh, it's the best. We got a bunch more at Christmas, and oh my god, it never feels good to step on Lego. Ever. All right, that is it for the news. Very light this week. Um, so yeah, ne- next, as we do, we take a little break. Come back and talk about the binary sunset questions leading off. As always, you haven't heard them in a couple weeks. Let's hear from ads. Evening, boys. Hope everyone is well. Uh, I have to admit, I've lost track of days, dates, etc., etc. Um, but I have a question for whenever the next pod uh, falls. So it's a Last Jedi question, uh, typically. I I have mixed feelings over the film. Um, I really enjoy parts of it. I still have issues with, with other parts, which I won't necessarily go into in huge detail. But I think one of the issues I have with the film is the inconsistencies between uh, the Force Awakens and then the Last Jedi, in my opinion, and I mean that's a key thing to say. This is my opinion. Now I know there's lots of people out there who love the film, and you know, sadly there's there's people out there that don't like the film, and um, I think that's perfectly perfectly fine. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, uh, and no one should be made to feel that they can't have that opinion. You know, the people that say it's a great film, that's fine. The people that say it's not a great film, equally, I think that's fine. It's it's their own opinion. Now, one of my issues relates to uh, how there's a change of director between these two films and then again for the final film of the trilogy. Something we haven't had before, something that um, in the, the previous... Uh, original trilogy and even the prequels we've had George Lucas at the helm the whole time in the standalone films it's just been a standalone film so there's only been the one director this is the first time where there is a story that has changed director mid-story and I don't think it's worked in certain places what do you think do you agree do you think that it is a good thing 
that the the new trilogy that Ryan Johnson is going to have his hands on uh, will be him all the way through, or do you think there's a possibility that he will pass on the reins at some point in that trilogy for other people to develop the story? So have a chat about that, see what you think, and um, as always, I will look forward to listening. Okay, take care, and Happy New Year. Bye. All right, there goes ads for the first time in 2018. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. Good to hear from you. Um, all right, guys. You know what? You know what? With ads being with us in person here, sort of, so to speak, it's it's almost like it's a not the force ghost of ad because he's he's very much alive, but it's like it's like a force projection. He's here with us via force projection, so I think I'm just gonna rename this whole this whole bit of the show from binary sunset to force projections. That's what I'm doing from now on. <laughs> nice really? renamed, renamed done. You just broke Corey's heart. Seriously, I really like binary sunset. Yeah, well, easy come, easy go. It'll change it back <laughs> one day. And who really cares? All right, like like I said, ads. Uh, very nice to hear from you. Happy New Year, all that jazz. Um, James, that's uh, your running mate in the podcast game now. How, how's that going? Uh, it's going. We're having a lot of fun. I'll tell you what. Uh, ads is a really good podcast mate. He's, he's I'm shocked. He's so enthusiastic and and uh, willing to really do anything. He's he's um, so far it's been really easy to work with ads. And boy, that could, I could have taken that quote somewhere. <laughs> uh, the only thing is, uh, podcasting is always a little harder than you think. So we're, you know, we're hitting bumps in the road, and and learning. Hey, as we, welcome. Learning as we go. <laughs> so, I think we're gonna do our third our third uh, shot at episode our second episode. We're gonna we're gonna take our third crack at recording it soon. Jesus. But, uh, yeah. What are you gonna do? Live and learn. But uh, no, we're having a lot of fun, and uh, check it out. It's called An Unexpected Podcast, and it's uh, over on Podbean. So yeah, do do check us out if you like uh, Tolkien at all. Yeah, I really highly recommend it. If, if, if you've not been into Tolkien, this is a great jumping on point. If you're into it to any degree, it's, it's a nice casual, I would say, uh, recap. Thanks, Kyle. We're trying of, to be of, casual about it. We'd like to be... Yeah, uh, no, like... Like there are the more academic pods out there that are kind of by the book, and um, they're still great, but that's that's not the the thing you guys are going for. No, exactly. And uh, we're definitely hitting the the, the uh, nail on the head with rambly all over the place podcasts that have to be re-recorded a few times. <laughs> <clears throat> no, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, and Happy geez. New Year, ads. Um, welcome to the first ever episode of Force Projections. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I'm jumping on that. I, I might use force projections. I like that as as a podcast name. I'm, that's it's mine, everybody. Don't touch it. All right, so ads. We lost track of time as well, so don't worry about that. I, I still kind of don't really know what the date is. Uh, but uh, we heard we heard ads kind of talking about the last Jedi, and he there's there was some hesitance in his voice, and it's it's obvious that he's got some mixed feelings about the last Jedi. A lot of people do, and uh, well, hey, we'll try and help you sort through those ads. Uh, but one of the issues he had uh, was with some of the inconsistencies from The Force Awakens to The Last Jedi. Like, did you guys pick up on any of those? Like, Did anything feel off to you? Corey, I'll, I'll kick it over to you first. Did anything jump out at you? 
Not really. I mean, Ray's parentage thing wasn't a surprise to me at all. Um, the only thing I would say that kind of took me off guard, I guess, was Luke in the long run. Um, and the only thing I, the only reason I really say that, like, I can accept everything that happened, but the fact that he was on the supposedly the first Jedi Temple, <clears throat> that led led me down many many rabbit holes, which led to kind of nothing in a way. But uh, that I was a little surprised of, a little bit of a mislead there, disappointed a, a bit as well. But uh, other than that, uh, I don't know. I couldn't really think of too many other examples really. Well, let's talk about the Ray parentage thing, and, and I guess by extension, the, the the lightsaber calling to her in the Force Awakens. So I, I feel like JJ really led us down one path, and then Ryan took took it down another. And I I like where it ends, but I guess it doesn't really flow super well for me. Like in TFA, everything pointed to Ray being related to somebody, and then you got Maz's line about. Uh, the belonging that she seeked wasn't in front of her. It was, or behind her, it was in front of her, and it it, it was almost like JJ was giving Johnson a, like a choose your own adventure esque option. And I'm not so sure that works best. So there's that's an inconsistency for me. Uh, James, any inconsistencies you want to call out? Um, I'll say I agree with ads that it's it felt. I felt that there were two different directors, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to put my finger on a lot of exact points. I agree with you on the lightsaber thing. The, the reaction that the, the the crowd I was with, uh, especially on the first viewing, but every viewing, the, the reaction of the crowd when he throws the lightsaber over the shoulder um, is, is a good reaction, but I don't think it was worth uh, throwing away with it uh, all of the setup that was done in the Force Awakens with that, with the Force Vision and the lightsaber calling to her, it was supposed that lightsaber was supposed to mean more. And when, the way he, he casually tosses it over his shoulder for the joke, for me, isn't worth that gag. Isn't worth throwing away um, all that setup. So I agree with ads. To me, it felt disjointed in parts. Uh, so the only, the only. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Corey. Well, I just want to say, like, I, I kind of, I know, you, like, I was surprised by that too, but it kind of. What it does for Ryan's film, anyhow, is that it it puts you right into the perspective right away. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, Luke's not questioning anything. Like, this guy's done, man. Like, you get in that mind frame right off the bat, kind of, you know? Where it worked, yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> it kind of cuts right to the core of, of Luke's mentality. And what you said, Kyle, as well, in regards to race parentage, like... Uh, yes, the lightsaber called to her, but I think that's more the dynamic of the Force in the sense that the darkness is rising, there's this girl, and Maz, like you said, spelt it out for me in the sense that, you know, you got to look forward to, to find what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't have a big yeah, problem. Yeah, but she was with... looking for family, Corey. She was looking for family, and Maz says it's not behind you, it's in front of you. Well, she she was not necessarily seeking her family. She sent, of course she seeking... is! She's seeking no, no, belonging. No, Ray is, Ray is seeking her family. I, I, that's she is, but she's also sense, she's also sense, uh, seeking that sense of belonging as a part of a, a, fam a family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, that's where, you, yeah, I guess it comes down to interpretation at that point. Is she looking for her biological parents or is she just looking to fit in somewhere? Well, she's, I think she's looking for both. I don't think you have to draw a line in the sand too deep on that because – I think she's looking for both. But yeah, I guess it, it, depending on your interpretation, you could say, well, look, now knowing what Ryan Johnson did, 
now we look back and say this this is what these things meant. But when we saw them in The Force Awakens, it left a pretty strong impression with most of us that her parentage was important. And in the end, it's unimportant. And that f- that feels like a difference that came with the direction. And that, I think that's the, the sort of the essence of Ad's question. Did you feel that? And I think we did feel it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, they, they've said, like, it's not like they've... Well, first of all, do you feel do you feel like the question is closed? Like Kylo knows that she's from, or I guess Ray knows as well. She's a, she's from filthy junk traders who sold her for drinking money. I was thinking you about guys that buy today. That? If if it turns out that that her parents are Skywalkers or Kenobi's or something in the end, and that was a lie, then it's then it's gonna we're gonna have this conversation again because it's gonna be another director flipping the script on this setup, if you know what I mean, and so. Hmm, that's an interesting way to 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 write a trilogy. You know what? I really see it more like the fact that she's rising to this challenge to to meet the dark. Uh, I see it more as a broadening of the Force and stepping away from a way of stepping away from that Skywalker dynasty and not always saying that oh you have to be related to someone to be Force sensitive. Like it's starting to broaden now, and we see that right at the end of the film with Broom Boy, right? Like there is more about that. The force is awakening. Uh, it I am is so on board there. with you. I think I think the Last Jedi, if it, if it's Episode Seven and sets that tone right off the bat, we're stepping away from Skywalker's. I'm so on board, but that's not what they did with Seven. With Seven, they let us let us think that. Well, they didn't let us think anything. Well, they they mixed messages. Yes, you're right, James. They I, we all walked out of TFA going, man, she's a Skywalker. That's she's talking to her dad, and then it changed to a Kenobi, and then well, then all the theories came around, and then. Jeez, I, I want to say by at some point in 2016, I was no. Nah, I think she's a nobody now. I kind of kind of changed my position, and that's where I was with with Ray for a while. Um, it looks like she's a nobody now, and I I, I tend to I, I believe that it's better for her that she's not weighed down by family legacy, and I think it's it's better in terms of. For I, the health of fandom, so to speak, like the health we, of the of the franchise as well, like like the broadening of the broadening of the force in a way, like like just saying not anyone, it's not only these people that can use it, like it's out there still, you know. Well, sure. I mean, we we yeah. I mean, we know that's not limited to the Skywalkers, but I if specific to Ray, I think it's it's better for her to not have to be weighed down by the burden of the Skywalker legacy. I I think it's better for for us as fans and better from a storytelling perspective that this young woman is going to stand on her own two feet and and do her own thing the way she sees fit yeah i think That's... i think that that leads to, like you said to a from a storytelling perspective it's like a strong character like uh she has so many abandonment issues that she she has to work through that too those are dark things and she's strong enough to, like you said to stand on her two feet like she's independent kind of like she's her own thing. She's the yin to his yang kind of. Yeah, like he's looking to kill his family and destroy any place of belonging he might have, and she's just trying to find one. Yin to the yang, like you said. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, an- another inconsistency. What about the portrayal of Hux, from TFA's fascist lunatic to, in the Last Jedi, he's he's sort of like a member of the Washington Generals, do, like. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, actually, that is a good. Uh, I was trying to think of many. I, I sat there and I racked my brain. I'm like, what did I really have a problem with? And I, 
Octo was my bring my big one, but yeah, uh, Hux Hux bothered me a bit as well. Like I liked all the jokes. I liked that everybody was just schooling this guy. Like he's like a bad goaltender who's just his 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 jockstrap is left in the like floating in the rafters because everybody's just deking this guy out. He gets treated like garbage at every turn. But he's so clueless too. His his subordinates <laughs> got to tell him that he's being messed with. I think he's messing with you, sir. Like, tooling, tooling, he's tooling yeah. with you. Come on, <laughs> like that. He's just such a. He's just such a twit. Like the jokes worked for me. I know it didn't work for everybody. So in that case, I go ha ha, and I laugh, and I I love it. But I get it. Like it's it's two interpretations of the same guy. And I wonder what Abrams is going to do with. It. Is he going to flip it back to? Is he going to amp up the the fascist lunacism back to eleven? For episode nine, I I don't know, I, I you know like, like Ryan Johnson had said like his his thing in this movie was to put everybody or give everybody the the toughest challenge he could think of, and maybe like we overlooked Hux, and it seems like Ryan Johnson made a, a concerted effort to make Hux really disrespected. Like Kylo strangles him and Snoke throws him around, Poe punks him, like yeah. everybody's making fun of this guy. So like at the end of of the Last Jedi, he's, I mean, he's still General Hux, but deep down inside, he's probably going, man, like I've got no respect. Like nobody gives me any respect at all. So is he going to come back hard in Episode Nine? I don't know. I don't know. I'd hope not at this point. Kind of in a way, like they've established his character, which is weird. That is an inconsistency. But which is way- his character? Like the lunatic or the punching bag? A bit of both, I would say, but like the lunatic, like he looked like he had his shit together in The Force Awakens. Like the way he gave that speech on Starkiller was like, wow, man, like this guy's, like he's respected. Like, but yeah, in this one, they they made a joke of him, which that was again a, a surprise. And I'm sure that there's, there's a bunch more other consistencies. Like, ads didn't list his, but if he wants to, he can. Um, all right, so. On to his other question, is having multiple directors in this trilogy a good thing? And I, I'll just say, like, just for clarity's sake, that the OT was directed by three different guys, even if Lucas was heavily involved in all three. I know that, like, Irvin Kirshner, like, ESB Empire is Irvin Kirshner's movie, but I think Marquand, Richard Marquand, I don't want to disrespect the guy and say he was a puppet for, for Return of the Jedi, but I think Lucas had a lot more pull in Jedi than than we're led to believe. Um, so yeah, just just to clarify that. But I think it's okay to have different directors. Like it did again, it worked out in the OT. It's you know, those three movies turned out half decent, so it can work. But so far in this trilogy, the two movies have pretty distinctive feels. And I, is that I don't know. I I don't know what the cause of that it's is. I don't tough, know if it's eh? just because the well, directors the are. Are just so new, different. Yeah. Well, look I, at look at a New Hope and Empire. Have pretty different have, feels. Yeah, very. They do. Yeah, when like, we look at those movies and go, oh, they're, they're just, boy, they're just, it's it's just one big cozy hug. But when you look at those movies one by one, they are very different movies. Big time. So it, it, it's okay. Like ten years, we'll look back on these on these movies and go, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I, I definitely like the fact that it that they're different. Like each film should kind of have. A vibe tonally different from the last. Like I wouldn't want to see another Force Awakens like thrill ride. You know what I mean? Well, I, again, the, we, can, the, we, the... we can compare this to we can compare it to, to Lord of the Rings, right? 
it's the same guy right from A to all the way to the end. Same and it, guy. They don't. It feels like the same thing twelve hours in. Yes. You know what I mean? And should Star Wars feel that way too? I, 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 it's hard to say. I mean, it, it, it's it, that's a personal preference thing. Well, that's, look a different, the, the, that's a different undertaking too, though. That's that's three movies shot at the same time. Um, yeah. So that's you know it, that's a that's a whole other that's a different way to do a trilogy entirely, really. Yeah. Those people became family doing that stuff. Right, and and just it, it made sense. But by the end, he did have second unit director directors shooting like really important scenes. Uh, Andy Serkis ended up becoming like quite a, quite a. Um, a talented, I guess, director uh, by hanging out with Peter Jackson, and, and he shot a lot of the stuff from Return of the King. But, um, but yeah, I didn't J- know that that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that guy, that guy is a treasure, man. He's just super talented, that guy. But okay, what if you take the original trilogy versus the prequel trilogy? Like that's three different directors versus like the same guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, it it depends on like. It depends on what you want, really. Uh, it's I, I don't know how to ex- or, or break this down any further. I mean, it's we all love the OT. We all have sort of mixed feelings on the prequels, and we have mixed feelings on sequel trilogy. Like, there's no you can't there's no direct line. You can't say, well, it worked here under these criteria, and it therefore it makes sense in in the same circumstances over there. It, it nothing maps. Like in a clean fashion. I think the difference here is we're, I, I think ads doesn't have, and I, I share this with him. We don't have confidence or conviction in the story group. I believe that the first trilogy was led by one mind, regardless of directors. The second trilogy was led by one mind. This one isn't. And I think that's sort of the distinction he's trying to make. Um, that, yes, he's, he's right. Um, although, you know, drip by drip, we're learning a little bit more about the making of these movies. And we, we now know that they're as far as, as much as they want to tell us that they're they're autonomous. I can do whatever I want. They're working from Lucas's treatments of these movies. He didn't have a huge, he didn't have an elaborate script written out, but he did have a a, a treatment for whatever that means. From from what I heard is the Last Jedi was kind of supposed to be the first film in a way. Yeah, the Last Jedi was. It makes so much more sense to me as a first film. It really does. It, it it's a it's a great. I think I'd like it a lot more as a first film. I think I think thematically and narratively it probably makes sense, but I think they want to take that opportunity to reboot, air quotes, reboot Star Wars with the Force Awakens, and just give us that thrill ride that we all had, you know, with with a new hope. Which I did like. Yeah. Well, one of my thoughts on this too, as well, is that you know, there's all these different directors, but there's no way in my mind, there's no way that Disney purchased Lucasfilm for $4 billion and said, hey, guys, just let's let it roll like, and just do whatever you want for each film. Like, I really do think they have a skeleton structure as to what to, what they want to do. Do you? So, Disney does? You think that? <laughs> well, Disney bought them. That's what I'm saying. They're not giving oh, Lucasfilm. No. <laughs> yes. I, 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 anyhow, I think that they have a skeleton structure to the, the story at large where they want to start and where they want to end. The mouse which left in, in the mouse house, you think this. <laughs> Corey, think say Lucasfilm. I think the mouse house has instructed Lucasfilm or whatever. They're working together, but they're not going to invest that kind of money with saying, let's let's just 
let it ride on each director and you do whatever the hell you want. But I think to have an A to B plot and in between, especially with this movie in particular being the, uh, the sequel and there's a lot of room to play there. I think he just had like all this opportunity to do all these things because, you know, the third film can kind of wrap what he's created up. I mean, it's very convoluted to talk about what constitutes George Lucas's treatments for episodes seven, eight, nine. We just we don't know, but drip by drip, like I said, we're we're learning that they are working from this. You know, I'm just getting into reading the art of the Last Jedi. They mentioned it there. It's it's we're hearing about this. We know that he, whatever that again, whatever that means, Lucas's treatment. They're pulling from it quite heavily, so. Seeing Luke Skywalker in exile on his own, that's George Lucas. Having uh, Ben Solo having turned on him, that's George Lucas. Uh, being f- discovered by a girl, again, that's that's all Uncle George. So they're 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 pulling almost directly from what George has done. So yeah, I mean, what were we, I don't even know what we we're talking about. We, we went all over the place with this one. I think we were talking about multiple directors, yeah, versus a single mind. Mm-hmm. So again, I think they are, in a way, there there is George's phantom hanging around over this trilogy, not as obviously not as heavily as uh, with the OT, and definitely not with the prequels. But yes, I, I I think it can work. It can work, but it it can also go horribly wrong. All right, so then adds final question: uh, Do you think the next trilogy will be all Johnson, or will he pass off the reins? And it's also, there's also some issues there of, of trust. Um, all right, James, what do you think? Will, will Johnson end up doing all three, or is he going to give off some control here? Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think he'll do all three, but I don't think he'll give off control. I think if he was given the choice, he would do all three, but I don't think it'll be up to him. And I think he'll get the first one only. Corey. Well, I definitely do think that he has a big say in whether or not he wants to be involved. Definitely believe that he's going to write all three, which he's kind of pretty much stated already, or at least write the structure to the trilogy in its entirety. But uh, I kind of do think he might. He's definitely going to do the first one and maybe see how it goes. Like you said, it's a it's a trust thing. But I, I don't. I see him letting letting the reins go, letting someone else. Uh, take the lead and him just kind of supervising over things. Yeah. He's already said he's confirmed that he's writing and directing the first and he's sort of sketching out the story for, for the next, uh, well, the second and third parts of his story. It sounds like he's already thinking about letting somebody else direct, whether it's the same person or again, three different people. It sounds to me like that's what he's doing. And I think he should. I, I, again, I think, as long as you have somebody overseeing what's going on, great. Get some different voices in. Um, yeah, let, let different people behind the camera. Um, well, what else can we say about this? Uh, I get, well, again, we, we talk about uh, getting like different people, like, like people of color or women behind the camera, right? Like I, this is going to be where Ava DuVernay gets a shot. I'm, I'm going out there now and saying it like her name just keeps coming up and she's got a Disney movie coming out this year, like a big blockbuster. 
And so there's, she's in, she's, she's, she's in with the mouth, the house of mouse. There's a working relationship. She knows JJ Abrams. She knows Ryan, uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Johnson. It's all there. I think she's going to direct one of these, one of these movies. What, what movie does shove coming up? Uh, a wrinkle in time. Ooh. Yeah. I have a feeling it's looks interesting. It does, but I have a feeling it's going to not do well at the box office. Do Disney movies ever bomb? Yeah, it wasn't uh, oh, Jock Carpenter, John, what's his name? Yeah. Guy, oh, John Carter. Was that Disney? John Carter. Yeah. From Mars. <laughs> that did bomb. Yeah, that, you're right. That bombed. Yeah, that, well, that looked terrible from the start. My God. Apparently the book's that good. That just looked bad. Yeah, that's it. It's a comic book. Or a graphic well, novel. Yeah, graphic novel. Probably, she probably should have stayed that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. It didn't do wonders for that kid's career, though, I'll tell you that. I can't remember his name now. He went from leading role to third or fourth lead. Oops. Um. Yeah, again, I I, I tend to think that he, Johnson will give off uh, directorial reins at some point. After the, I would say after the first one. I'm just going to guess. Um, but again, like uh, just to wrap up this whole thing with, with on uh, ads force projection is that um, it, it, I think it's okay to have different voices as long as somewhere there's like somebody or some framework to follow. And uh, yeah. if, it's, if it's all willy-nilly, do whatever you want, then I think you're asking for trouble. But I, I don't think that's what's going on. Hundred percent. You couldn't. I couldn't have said it any better myself, man. All right, ads. Thank you, sir. Great to hear your voice once again, and hopefully you have gotten track of time and everything is working well for you. All right, let's move on to Bradley. Happy New Year, Tumbling Saber, and Happy New Year to everyone in the Commonwealth and all your listeners. Hopefully, everyone had a good, a uh, a wonderful New Year and uh, had a, a good time, a safe time. And uh, from my household to everyone else's, I uh, hope 2018 is a, a wonderful year for everyone and a safe one and wishing everyone the best. As far as 2018 goes, uh, as far as Star Wars and what I'm looking forward to, I guess I would have to say... Um, when there's a movie coming out, uh, Star Wars movie coming out, uh, in that calendar year, that's the one thing I'm looking forward to. Um, I would have to say Solo is not, uh, the, the one movie that I'm most excited about seeing, but I am, uh, kind of looking forward to going to a Star Wars movie, uh, with not, uh, any expectations or worried about, uh, what I'm gonna think um, coming at, out of the out of the movie, um, so I guess I would have to say um, solo. Um, other things I'm looking forward to, uh, obviously, is just uh, dissecting this movie, uh, the Last Jedi that we just saw. Um, looking forward to uh, you know breaking it down even more, and uh, you know kind of chewing on it and thinking about it, and just talking about it. Looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts uh, about the movie as well. Um, 
So yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to most in 2018 as far as Star Wars. It's the Solo movie. Um, my Star Wars question for this week is, what is your favorite scene in The Last Jedi? I'm going to uh, try to start off this year asking um, positive questions, questions that, uh, things that I liked about the movie, and find out what y'all liked about it, uh, what others liked about it, um, before I start asking um, some questions on what I didn't like about the movie. Um, so this week's question is, uh, what's your favorite scene? Um, so I, I have a lot of, there's a lot of scenes in the movie that I really enjoyed, but there's one that I keep going back to, and it's actually not a nostalgia scene, uh, like the R2 and Luke meeting. It's not the, um, Leia and Luke scene, which was pretty cool. Um, and it's not the Luke and Yoda scene, uh, which I, I really enjoyed. Uh, all three of those scenes are just uh, wonderful callbacks and nostalgia and, and all that good stuff. Um, but I think the coolest scene in the whole movie for me is when Kylo and Rey are back-to-back fighting the guards and that scene where it's just slow motion at first. And I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's their poses. It has to be, I mean, it's visually, it's beautiful. The way they are back to back looks awesome. Um, especially Ray. She just looks so good in that pose. And then the way they slowed it down and then this, and then this, they, they, they sped it up and then just, all hell breaks loose. And I thought that's, that's the scene that, um, I like the most. I think that's the scene I look forward to seeing when I go back and see it. Um, so that, I would say that's mine at this particular moment. Um, but, uh, looking forward to hearing what y'all's favorite scenes, uh, or scene is in the movie. And, uh, as always, y'all have a great show and may the force be with you. All right, thank you for the warm wishes, Bradley. Happy New Year to you as well. Happy New Year, Bradley. Um, yeah, all the yeah. best, brother. I, you know what? I, I like Bradley's approach to this because I, I, you can t- hear it again. There's there's some conflict within Bradley as well, but he's choosing to start 2018 positive. I like it, Bradley. Good job. Um, I'm I'm with Bradley that I, you know I I mentioned some, looking forward to seeing the, the solo movie, but with no expectations. Like we all have huge expectations for these. Saga movies, Han Solo. I, at this point, as we sit here on January seventh, I don't have any expectations other than I just want this movie to be fun. It doesn't have to blow my mind in terms of reveals or connectivity to the larger galaxy. Just, yeah. just have fun with this movie. I, that's all I hope for this for this one. Uh, you guys, I think I think based on what you just said, it's too bad Lord Miller are out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still, I still want to see their movie. I sort of do. I'd love to know. It, I think it'd be just so different than what, what we're gonna get. But yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm just so greedy. Like I, Ron I just Howard don't want it to... is gonna deliver, and the other guy, uh, Lord and Miller, also could have also really done a good job. But 
We heard uh, that whole what was it the Space Ventura? I don't think anybody wants that for Han Solo. Like, there's got to be a degree of comedy. It's like that in Star Wars, and especially with Han. But you know, let's not make this a slapstick comedy kind of deal. You know? Did you did it strike you guys? Did you like? Did you think to yourself after seeing um, the Last Jedi with all that comedy that got talked about and mentioned? Did you think to yourself like, wow, with all the comedy that they led into the trilogy movie? How much were Lord and Miller pushing the envelope to get, like, you know, reprimanded over it? Like, there must have been a, a lot of comedy. Yeah, someone stepping on rakes in a shed. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I get. Maybe it depends on the the type of comedy. Plasma rakes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like in the Phantom Menace, there were fart jokes. Like, yeah, there were. There were Again, this is that was when George was in charge, and it was his movie. So, you know, Jar Jar steps in poop, and when an animal farts in his face. That was okay. <laughs> it feels like it feels like that doesn't fly anymore. Do his ears get blown by the fart wind? No, I think he's far enough back. Okay. <laughs> wow, fart winds in Star Wars. That's where we are at. Oh my god! At weddings. <laughs> what? What? Didn't you read what? the? Oh no! I know what you're talking about. Yes, that's oh that uh, it was a comic or a book, wasn't it? I think it says from a certain point of view. No, was it? I haven't read the whole thing yet. Oh my god! Um, no, there, there, some yeah, a couple people were getting married and so, uh, somebody farted. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's an awful moment. It's an awful moment in Star Wars. Like it's just so awful. Like, what? Oh God. Ask Ask uh, Professor Wesley what he thinks about that 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 uh, story. I, I saw that going around as soon as the book came out. I was like, oh man, that's awesome. Oh my God. Anyway. So so Bradley's question, quite simply, is what is your favorite scene from The Last Jedi? Corey, you want to take this one? Uh, to be honest, it's quite a hard one when you really think about it. And the best part is, I've only seen this movie twice in theaters thus far, which I'm kind what? of ashamed of. Yeah, I watched uh, probably three quarters of it at my neighbor's house, uh, but it was crap watching it like that. Um, yeah, I watched a crap version. It sucks. It takes so you can't watch the movie if it's yeah. You it's can't get immersed version. in it. And yeah, so two times. So I'm still very. Uh, the first time I saw it, I'm telling you, I was like. I loved it, man. The more and more I think about it that night, but when I walked out of that theater, like I, I was just like seeing stars still. Like honestly, like I'd never walked out of a movie that way. Like just like I, I don't know. I just don't know what's going on anymore. But like the cool part about that is right away, instantly, there's like a whole bunch of scenes that come to my mind. Like there's the Yoda, the Kylo Ray, uh, the R two scene. <laughs> but my, it sounds my like you said it one, wrong. <laughs> it does it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Kylo Ray? Who, what, who are you talking about, Corey? The fighting scene. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I know. Either way, uh, this is a bit of a loophole in the sense that it's the Luke and Leia scene, but it kind of leads into the Luke Kylo scene. Like, that's all one sequence. So. Oh, no, that's man, many it's... scenes. That's many scenes. That's not one scene. <laughs> Anyhow, I guess I'd have to choose the the fight between Kylo and 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 Luke at this point. 
I just thought it was way too cool. Like, just the visual of them standing off against one another. Corey, uh, was... just just so you know, that wasn't officially a fight. It's been judged. <laughs> By who? That wasn't a fight. It was just, it was pretend. By the 40 questions, that wasn't a fight. If it wasn't a lightsaber duel, then it wasn't a fight. Wow. I, I'm it was a battle of wits. <laughs> it was a battle of wits, James. You it should was, recognize that. It was you a chess game. a battle of wits when you see it. I Whatever the battle do. was, it, it was a battle, and I loved that battle, and the visuals within that battle just had me on the edge of my seat. You can attest to that, James. I was sitting right beside you, man. Like when that, I was so confused. I was like, "What did Luke do with this just for men?" And like, yeah. got me so different. What's happening? <laughs> he got a haircut on the way. How'd he get there? And yeah, I don't know. Just. It's true. We had eye contact at the exact moment when that started. When he, when we first saw Luke looking younger with that weird hair, and I looked over at Corey, I was like, "What the?" F-? I mouthed, "I think like what is going on?" <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> this was, doesn't it was seem hard to, right. What is happening? So, yeah. Like so, just that it's, it's so memorable. Uh, but just that whole sequence of events that leads up to that moment, the visual of them standing off is very uh, like sunset showdown style to me. Like I, I have to love that, even though there's so many other iconic and great moments in the movie like it's it's a tough call between a lot of scenes to be honest which is great man like like i said i saw saw the movie twice man and right off the top of my head like even chewy and the porgs man like that scene is pretty awesome like that kind of comedy was on point for me yeah that was Uh, the best comedy for me too Corey. um (laughs) i I got a i got a top uh a top list as well it's funny though because the, the segments basically sum up my top um, force projection and binary sunset. So like Corey, I really enjoyed the, 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 uh, the showdown, the battle of wits, the non-duel. Um, I thought it looked really cool. Uh, but my favorite, probably, my, oh, and another one that, that we didn't mention yet is, was just the opening scene when they um, sort of pan down through a spiral of ships uh, that's beautiful that just, was beautiful that one scene for me was I don't know I was in a really good place at that time and it really struck me as in, intensely cool so that one's yeah, gotta, and gotta you, be mentioned too and you didn't take your gravel I was fine too I was fine the, usually I have to take gravel for 3D movies but maybe I outgrew <laughs> it no, that um, was a good effect but my winner is uh, is just the uh, the binary sunset I just the last scene with the two sons one one uh, one of them sort of much larger um, and, and, and Luke's silhouette uh, in front and just the idea of, of, of him disappearing like uh, Obi-Wan. Just that, that whole thing sort of to me, even though I, 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 you, know, you guys know that I don't love the Luke arc, uh, I do love that last scene. It, it gets better every That's time so I see beautiful. it. so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I almost yeah, want to loophole it and be like, instead of a scene, I'm taking the whole act from Leia to the battle, to Luke dying. <laughs> First loophole of 2018. Thank you, Bradley. That's not a loophole. That's just copping out. Yeah. <clears throat> it's all great. Um, yeah, no, that, that is spectacular. And I was wondering, like, two, what, what do you mean two sons? Because they always showed one son, one son. And then it was only that last, or the last shot of Luke on the rock mm-hmm. from behind. And then you see the two sons. But other, otherwise, it was always one, one son at a time. But yeah, like that—that that hits you right in, right between the eyes. That was amazing. Yeah, it was so cool. Um, 
Well, Bradley mentioned the Rey and Kylo fight, which might be the most badass fight in all of Star Wars. That was just so cool. Second most badass? Uh, two? Oh, I, I think uh, Phantom Menace. Uh, oh, it's a Duel of, yeah, Duel of, Duel of the Fates. Duel of the Fates is yeah. my top. That is pretty spectacular, too. Yeah. I think the way this went, this played out, you know, with, with Snoke dying and then you have Kylo and Rey looking at each other just for a second and Kylo uh, reignites his red saber and you're just like, uh-oh, what's going to happen here? And then they just go back to back and you're like, <gasps> and all the Raylo shippers lose their minds. But really, it's it's self-preservation at that point. Yeah, but it was so good. Honestly, like, that scene, scene like, looked honestly, so good. There was nothing... I have to say, there was so many scenes thinking back to it now, like that, uh, the Kylo scene... I mean, don't get me wrong. There were a lot of great scenes in The Force Awakens, but there's nothing that did that to me that took my no. breath away the no. way that this movie did. Like, I remember, like, group, groping you, James, at one point. I think it was when, when Leia got <laughs> flung out. I was just like, oh, oh, like, touching him beside me, like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, thanks wow. for that, Corey. But both of us, even James, I was sitting beside him. I was leaned back at a point. James was, like, right on the edge of his seat and... It was like, oh my god, like this movie wasn't crazy like that. And like I said, again, walking out of the theater, I was just like scratching my head. Like when uh, Ray flew the Falcon through the uh, crash destroyer, I had that same feeling. I lost my. You said there were no take, you know, lose your breath moments. I think there there weren't as many, but there were some. What? what did you, when Ray? In uh, you said in the Force Awakens, there weren't as many take, you know, take your breath away moments as the Last Jedi. But, the, okay. but there were some. When when Ray flies the Falcon through the the crash destroyer, when we oh, see yeah. when we see the destroyer on the on the in the desert, your mind was blown. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, get, getting the, the Falcon back like that, like we'd never seen it fly like that. Yeah, and it, it was just so good to see it in action that way. Um, yeah, that that fight is right right there. Uh, I'm also going to give a mention to the Luke and Yoda scene. Oh, yeah, I meant to mention that, too. Just amazing. Yoda was top-notch. So good. So, so good. Yeah, I mean, a lot of great moments. Luke with Leia, uh, amazing. Luke with Kylo. You know know what's funny about that whole scene with Just for Men Luke? (laughs) And we're all scratching our heads. We were all there sitting together. What is going on? And the clues were just dropped in front of us one after the other he's not making footprints in the soil he's yeah, not but uh, peripheral you can't pick that stuff up on the first view you you, you just can't it's not what you're no. looking at they know that like it was well done because they it was so well done he's got the lightsaber that just cracked in half and none of us mentioned it we all go well, why didn't kylo notice we didn't notice yeah <laughs> it it just it worked so well like we we really bought into the whole thing and then to see luke it was it was very M Night Shyamalan to see Luke, like good M Night Shyamalan, to see him like still back on Acto, the look of concentration on his face, like he he's just going all out to make this happen. So well done, but yeah, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna go with Bradley. The fight, the fight was too cool for me to pass up on. So there you go. But again, a lot of really cool moments. Thanks, Bradley. Oh, and I, you know, I'm gonna mention. I'll, I'll give one more mention to uh, Poe clearing out the surface cannons and that look 
<laughs> the look from Hux when he's just watching it happen, like from from distance. And it's just that face of, oh my god. <laughs> His face just breaks in this sad little frown. It's it's terrific. Don, Don, Donald Gleason just just did a great, great job. Amazing. All right. Bradley, thank you, sir. Looking forward to some more Bradley banter in weeks to come. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's visit in with Katie. I've had, I've had this question for a while, but you know, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus for the holidays. <sighs> so let's see what Katie has to say. And quite simply this week, what is your favorite Obi-Wan Alec Guinness moment? Mine has got to be when he let Vader strike him down. He kept his promise and did become more powerful than he imagined. James, what is your top Alec Guinness Obi-Wan moment? Uh, when he cuts off um, and drops a limb uh, at the bar. I think nice. that's probably... As a kid, I just thought like, whoa, wh- what's going on? This is more badass than I even... like. They, he said it was going to be dangerous in there. But not only did he just cut that guy's arm off, but it's now business as usual in there. Nobody's even <laughs> freaking out. It's just like this must happen all the time. Yeah, I think that I think that scene. Made, That's a great moment. Let, let me know just how how serious everything was and how legit uh, Obi Wan was. Absolutely, yeah. That's a. I'm kind of disappointed. That I didn't think of that because there's there's only there's when you think about it there's there's only limited moments of Alec Guinness in. The OT, and most of them are Force Ghost. A lot of Force Ghost moments, it's true. And those aren't really that badass. There's some good conversations in there, but one of them he's, you know, Luke has given him the third degree for for lying to him. Uh, now for me, it's it's the scene back in 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 Obi Wan's hut when he's when he's explaining the Force to Luke, and he's hinting at the Clone Wars, and he's talking about fighting alongside uh, Anakin Skywalker and. John Williams' score, as always, just killing it in that scene. So I, I know that's kind of an unoriginal thing to say, but it, it is kind of slim pickings. It makes it makes this tough. Makes that's this a, a great a, answer. A tough call. The, I mean, you can't go wrong. There's there's like five right answers here, so you picked one of them. I suppose. Yeah, there's there's some more. There's a few. Well, what's your top? What's your top? Well, I mean, I love Katie's the strike down, so good. Uh. For some Wait, reason, oh, by the it... way, did did you guys see that that fan yes video? The, the was it you that yeah. showed it to me, James? I might have. Been, I definitely shared it with a bunch of people. I was I was pretty uh, strong on sharing that when I first found it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it, was it was cool. It's a, it's a fight. Somebody put together a, a computer generated fight of Obi Wan versus Vader from A New Hope, but it's it's not the bad. <laughs> I can barely move type thing. It was it was loose. It was unencumbered. It looked fantastic, and it. I've always said if if they want to go back and edit George's movie again, do like do that scene. I'll open it up that way. But I, I digress. Uh, Corey. Anyhow, I was, I was saying um, as a child. Anyhow, I think James can attest to this. Well, I think we had this conversation once, but a year ago. So for some reason, when Obi Wan's shutting down the tractor beam, I always thought that was kind of cool. Like just the sound that. That's a great sound. It is, eh? I think it was the sound more than Obi-Wan. <laughs> uh, I, I I love the fact that he loopholes Luke 
in Jedi when he's explaining him. Like that, that's be- basically what he's saying from a certain point of view is a loophole. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I know it kind of deserve a bit of a punch in the face, but you know, I, I did kind of tell you the truth from a certain point of view. Uh, but I think the classic moment is Moss Eisley Obi Wan because there's so many cool scenes within that. Like these aren't the droids you're looking for. And then he cuts off Ponda Baba's arm. Yeah, uh, both of you guys but, nailed that. But it, uh, that's it. It's 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 the Pantaloons Inferno. Like Mark said, like Obi Wan <laughs> is playing everyone in the room. Like Han's like, oh man, Chewie, we got a real big fish on the line here. And oh really, Obi Wan's like, this is the culmination of Obi-Wan's exile, like the wills of the force, like things are happening at such a rapid pace now. Like, like there's no other choice at this point. And he just keeps his cool and remains calm throughout this. If you really look at it from that perspective, he's been there for like 19 years. Like any, like this is his moment. This is it. And he's just like, like stormtroopers are in the, on the, on site. And he's just like, cool. Let's jet. Come on, boys. No questions asked. Well, but yeah, when you think about it, that he's sort of now he he has to take care of Luke and make sure that nobody hurts Luke. Like it, it kind of puts a different spin on his role in that moment. Like, no, no, no you're you're not going to kill that kid. You will die before you hurt that kid. And it's 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 that moment where Obi Wan's like, yeah, this is this this is it. It's almost like Kanan's moment. I'm going to let everybody in on the secret. Well, that's it. It could have kind of bit a bigger deal like when the stormtroopers came in like someone just whipped out a lightsaber man <laughs> and it's funny something else you, you had mentioned that you know Han's making fun of like we got these this fish on the hook this old man this this old fossil there's probably nobody in that bar in that entire can- cantina that is maybe more uh deadly more, more space savvy than Obi-Wan mm-hmm Based on what we know from the prequels and, and the Clone Wars series, there's nobody in that bar that's been through what Obi-Wan's been through. And everybody in that bar looks at him and goes, ah, stupid old man. Exactly. Like, he's playing everyone. He's got his own agenda, and everyone's just like, exactly like this old space hermit. Yep. Well, there you go, so guys. Good job. kind of cool. Yeah, I'm, you guys both pulled out that moment. I'm, I'm glad about that. I'm, I, now I'm glad I didn't, because then it would have been a clean sweep and thus boring. All right, Katie, thank you. Another one in the series of favorite moments, and I wonder who you've got next. Okay, let's move on to the latest powerful friend. It's Carrie, everybody. Yeah, what's up, Carrie? All right, so Carrie says, pardon me if these things have been discussed, and I missed it. I scrolled back to the beginning, and I am only on episode 27. So Carrie is is binging all of our stuff. What? That's amazing. <laughs> Honestly, like you should go see a doctor, Carrie. There's something. There's something. Yeah. Uh... Stop now, Carrie. Just, just come to the future. There's something just, wrong with just... that. We're not that exciting. Especially Corey. <laughs> Corey's on those old episodes. That's it's it's kind of cool to be honest. I, I'm anxious to hear her comments about the evolution of everything and how things have progressed. I love You're that she's going through the old ones. Yeah, maybe we've regressed, but <laughs> it'll be, it'll be good to hear about that too. I saw her you message in the show notes. Worse, which is amazing. <laughs> We're better at stepping on each other's toes now when we talk. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I saw, I saw that in the show notes, and I actually, Carrie, thank you. I, I'm, I've never uh, gone back and listened to the old ones myself, so you're better than we are. And uh, I'm really, like Corey, interested to know what you think um, in terms of how we sounded two years ago and how we sound now. So enjoy those if you, if you are. Well, you know, 
Carrie chose to become a powerful friend, which I'm eternally grateful for, based on, I guess, uh, our old stuff. So I guess we did something right. So mm. thank you, Carrie. Probably all you, but, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Anyway. Something silly. So a co-worker finally saw The Last Jedi, and his first complaint was that it felt too Disney. If you had to choose between TFA and TLJ, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, which one feels more Disney to you? This guy basically said the crystal foxes were a creature that belonged in Frozen. Dude needs to shut up because I love them. Dude need, does need to shut up. <laughs> Something a little more serious. Luke in The Last Jedi. I've accepted it for storytelling purposes and, I, and because I love the movie overall. But is Luke really true to his character by giving up on Ben so quickly? He tried saving his father, and his father was a complete stranger to him. No doubt he knew slash loved Ben from the day he was born. He senses darkness, and bam! He's standing over a sleeping teen ready to end his life. He doesn't, of course, but that's that. Ben, Ben's a lost cause, and Luke isolates himself in the far reaches of space, uh, of the galaxy, never to try again. All right, so that's Carrie's two questions. So let's start with the first one. Uh, James, if you had to choose between episodes 7 and 8... Which one feels more Disney to you? Uh, I'd have to say eight. And not necessarily because of the Crystal Foxes, although I hate to say it, I see the point. I liked the Crystal Foxes, but they would fit into Frozen. They wouldn't be out of place in the movie Frozen. So I, I see that comment. But I didn't, they didn't bother me. I sort of thought they were cool. Um, but I love more, the Crystal Foxes. More because of the humor. It just, it was more, it, it, it felt more like Disney humor seeped into this movie if that's possible which i didn't really feel that it did into um the force awakens so that that's why i would say eight so i cory would you have what do you want to say before before i kind of dump on the question (laughs) (laughs) well i just want to say the Vulptex are absolutely awesome in my opinion i guess you can kind of see them in frozen because what they're like crystal and they look like ice or snow or whatever but i just thought it was such a cool concept and to bring it to life all right, uh, all right, I'll let it action. go. I'll let it go. No, no, it's not, I'm just saying it's my opinion. Whatever, man. Like, it's fine. I, I mean, just wanted to say let it go, Corey. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. But I, I went so far as to to buy a pin of these creatures because I just thought they were so cool. It's almost like jewelry, man, the way they sparkle. Like, they're awesome. And, uh, yeah, to, to me, like, I, I can't say that either really felt Disneyfied to me. Uh, like I know you're saying, James, about the there's a bit more humor in TLJ. Uh, I don't know the Force Awakens. I guess in the sense that it was a fun thrill ride and a journey, establishing characters. Uh, there was some meat there that we could sink our teeth into moving into the next film, and I think the Last Jedi was just a little more obscure even though the some of the comedy was disney-esque like the bb-8 machine gun and stuff uh i don't know i just think the obscurity to it all brings me back to the force awakens being if you want to say disneyfied whatever which i totally don't agree with but no and that's just it i'll jump in now like i don't i don't like using disney in reference to star wars we don't do it with anything else we don't do it with marvel why do we do this continually with star wars as if Bob Iger and all the suits at Disney are like on set 
saying, no, 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 they, hey, whoa, 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 that's not Disney enough. Fix that. Like, they're not doing that. So I, I, I just, no, I don't do it. But if I, I'll answer the question, and I'll narrowly say The Force Awakens feels more Disney to me just simply because it's a, it's a safer movie. That's that's really all it is to me. Um, and James, you have, you have a good point about the amount of humor in The Last Jedi being your reason. That's fine, too. I mean, like, it's a 51-49 type thing for me. Um, but, you know, I, I, just, I think people who, who want to blame Disney for what's happening in Star Wars, and I see a lot of that right now. Like, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Because it changed. I think it's, I think if, uh, maybe I'm wrong, you guys probably spent some time there, but I bet you the same thing happens in comic book chat rooms. I'm sure the, the hardcore comic book fans, the fans of the characters from the comics don't like, um, or some don't like, you know, what's been done to the, to those characters on screen. And they probably blame parent companies. I, I'm sure it does happen too, but it's just change. People don't like change. So they, they need someone to blame. Yeah, I guess it's, that's, I guess it's all it is, but you know, in, in navigating uh, the social media waters since, since the last Jedi came out, like there's there's certain arguments I'm willing to have with people, and it's it's hopefully going to lead to something constructive, and usually it does. But when like when somebody goes ah you know bleep Disney uh, for what they've done to Star Wars, like I, that's one person I'm not talking to. Like I've been I've been accused multiple times now of uh, working for Disney, being paid by them, because I I, I enjoyed the Last Jedi. So that <laughs> when that starts happening. Um, like I, I know, like the the IQ of the person I'm dealing with. So that I'm happened out. to me once. I have to say this: uh, way before I started podcasting, I was speaking about Rebels. Well, maybe, well, can't be way before, but uh, anyway, I was like, "Oh my god, Rebels is awesome!" Because someone was asking about it on IMDb, and someone said the exact same thing to me: "You're paid by Disney to say this." And I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> They'll do that. How can I get paid by Disney to say this stuff I'm saying already? No, I'm, I'm like a, I'm, I'm an infiltrator. I'm a spy. I'm working for Disney. I'm just like infiltrating these sites, man. It's a conspiracy, bro. It's a, the feminist agenda. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So, yeah, there we go. So we answered that first question from Carrie. But you know what? Pretty soon that question is going to expire because... Um, Disney now now having acquired Fox, they're still like I think Bob Iger has said that they're going to continue making R-rated Deadpool movies. So we're going to be able to just put a, a pin in that balloon soon. Like, I can't wait for someone to go, "Oh, Deadpool's ruined. Disney ruined our Deadpool." Like, come on. So okay. that means there's going to be a, a, a trilogy. <laughs> Who knows. And why not? Of course it would be. With the success right. of the first, they're going to do a bunch, yeah. Yeah, and they'll, they'll each get progressively more crass, and that's that's kind of what people want from these movies. And Disney's not stupid. They know why what makes something successful. They're not going to suddenly just jump in and go, no, no, no. We know what's made you successful, but he, we're going to make you ultra successful. That's I don't think that's how it works. Anyway, so on to Carrie's second question. Is Luke really true to his character by giving up on Ben so quickly? James, you want to go off on this one first? Mm. I'll do a short answer. I'll say no. And 
I don't want to harp on on negatives. I want to stay with Bradley's theme of staying positive. So I'll 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 say like through many conversations, I've come to understand that time changes people, um, or people change over time, and that's one way to if if you believe that, uh, then you know Luke's a much older character's thirty character 30 years later who's been through a bunch of stuff and so we don't you know who are we to say who he's become I subscribe more to the idea that people don't change my experience at 42 years old tells me that people are who they are people fundamentally don't change and so yeah I have some issues with uh, how quickly um, his once seemingly unrepressible desire to do good do right and save people uh seems to have been extinguished. I've, I have difficulty with that, personally. It is challenging. Corey? Uh, I won't disagree with James, that's for sure. Um, like, Return of the Jedi was the epitome, the happiness, the, the looking forward to this bright future. So I think that was the hardest thing for me to accept in this film. Uh I don't know, just seeing him like that, it was really tough. It was really tough seeing him like that. So, I don't know, like, we kind of kind of put ourselves in his shoes, and I, it makes me ask a few more questions, like, what did he exactly see when he, like, connected to Kylo? Did he see that it was in totally, I don't know, it's kind of like almost like Spock, the good of the many for, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Well, you, you, when he, you, in that moment, you hear him, tap into to Kylo's heart and see his future and, and how, how Snoke had already turned his heart. You, and you hear Kylo's saber and you hear a bunch of screamings and suffering and stuff like that. So you, I guess you, you can paint the mental picture of, of another butcher. Well, I think what compounds that to me when I actually, I just thought of this myself when I was doing the show notes. So thank you for that, Carrie. But what compounds it is the fact that you know, he he's not infallible. He is human. He had that moment of weakness, but he refrained. Kylo saw it from a certain point of view. Luke told it from a different point of view, saying, you know, I, 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 I changed my mind at the last second, but I still slipped for that one moment, and it, it broke me. And the worst part about it, the thing that drives him to me, it makes more sense now, that drives him into exile, is the fact that he himself feels responsible now for creating the monster that is Kylo Ren because he had that moment where Kylo woke up and Kylo's just like, man, like it compounded the fact for Kylo. Like it, it just added to Kylo's exile and now Luke is a part of that future misery that he'd just seen. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the Jedi kept causing their own downfall, right? In the prequels, they kind of brought it all on themselves even though heavily helped by by Palpatine. And here we go again with, with Luke. But, you know, I, I was listening to uh, the Full of Sith podcast and a, the question that Brian Young put so succinctly, and it was kind of swirling in my mind, but I, I never thought to put it this way. And it's no sci-fi thing ever. But would you, given the, given the moment to go back in time and kill baby Hitler, would you do it? And it's a really tough question to answer because you're robbing this kid of his... Uh, his agency of his potential to make a, a different choice or are you let letting destiny play out the way it's supposed to be well, the way i see it when you when you do something like that you're you're playing with your own life because once you change one small thing back then 
you have no idea what's going to happen. Well, like you might not right, even I mean, exist anymore. Like, but it's 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 a. I think it's a valid question. Like if you could kill Kylo and prevent him from helping the First Order rise and prevent all these people from dying, even though he's your nephew, could you do it? He just can't bring himself to do it. But it's not the first time that he wanted to kill. The, like remember in, in Jedi, right? He wanted to. He was just about to kill Vader, and then he sees his robotic hand and tosses away his lightsaber. He was close. He was on the edge. He was right there on that precipice of, of doing it before. So it's not unprecedented for him to want to mur- murder a but member you, of his family. You think he's over it at that point, but at the same time, you knew something was wrong. And again, he caught himself before it was too late and knew he had made a mistake. The problem is that Kylo woke up and saw him and misinterpreted. Well, he didn't misinterpret, but he didn't know Luke had changed his mind, kind of. And again, that kind of creates Kylo Ren right then and there and Luke's partially responsible for that having seen his uncle standing before him when you see Kylo's vision of that moment that was another scene in the movie like going back to Bradley's question like Kylo's vision to Luke's vision is different like Luke's eyes in that scene he looks like a god almost like with the wrath of god standing above Kylo like the poor kid was traumatized now is that is is he being truthful in his retelling of that or is he trying to you know, butter up Ray and say, no, Luke is actually a real no, absolute I, I, jerk. I think you're seeing it from two different sets of eyes. You're seeing it from Luke's eyes, but you're seeing it from Kylo's eyes in the sense that he just woke up and like looks over him and sees Luke and, you know, he's just waking up. Like he's like, what the hell's going on? Like, like for sure he thought that Luke wanted to strike him down. Yeah. I, yeah. And you're right. He, Kylo, Kylo Ren is, is kind of cemented in that moment, but it, I think, was was the die already cast? Like, was he already on his way to becoming Kylo Ren anyway? Because I think we can agree yes, that Luke, yes. Luke exactly, looked into like, his into his heart and saw already what was happening. And he, yes, he had already gone too far. He feels partially responsible, I guess now. But uh, I'm I'm still on the same page as Carrie in the sense that it it's the hardest pill for me to swallow in this film that he didn't have the resolve. Well, actually, that's the best. Not necessarily. It's the best part because it's my favorite part of the movie when he finally does come back, even though it takes takes a lot. And, you know, he's a typical Skywalker about it, but uh, it was it was great to see him come back. It, it's sad to see him to have gotten to the point that he did, though, and it was hard to accept. But looking at the circumstances, I've I've dealt with it, I guess, you know. Yeah, well, like all through the marketing, right? They told us this is not going to go the way you think. Exactly. And for me, like that, that message, like I, I tried, I, I really tried to absorb that and say, like, I think they're talking to us. I think they're trying to tell us something. And K- Carrie, you can come back at us now. Like anything we, uh, any of us predict and or say leading up to this movie, you can come back at. Cause I, I can firmly remember Kyle saying, oh, there's, there, there's no way they'll do that to uh, Luke Skywalker's character. What? But like. Like, you know, the fact that he'll chuck a lightsaber over his shoulder. Like, like at f- you change your mind getting closer and closer to the movie, but at a point you were just like, you were very adamant in saying that, like, no, like, it's, like, Luke will come back. They can't just toss aside this legacy character, you know? And he did come back. He did, but he died. At the, like, anyway, it's at the end of the movie where he really <laughs> makes his turn, which, again, it works for me. It's great. 
Oh, I think I'm pretty I think, sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure we did all say that we that Luke would not die in this movie. I, I remember talking about it. Mm-hmm. And we all said they could not. They could well, not kill Luke off in this movie because nope. Han was gone, and they and we thought they weren't going to kill Leia in this one because they had said they weren't going to. So she, they were going to. She was going to be gone in nine. So we were like, there is no chance they kill Luke in eight. Nope. That's that, sad. All all three of the the big three are gone except for Chewie, man. I re- oh, I read an article that says that's because they cost the most. <laughs> they, they killed off. They killed. They killed off their big budget actors. Uh, okay. And, and killing killing off Leia was a conspiracy. Oh jeez. Or Carrie Fisher. No, don't even uh, give it credit. We're not even going nope. there. Cor- yeah. Nope. No, I saw the headline. I saw Kyle ranting about it. Ridiculous. I, would, I wouldn't go there. I would never give that guy a click. That guy's that guy's an idiot. He, he, he looks name, like nameless. Yeah, but boss you know how, like one of the things we we talked about, and I think this this is not just us. I think it's across fandom. Is that yeah? We're gonna meet Luke. He's gonna be grumpy. He's obviously gonna train Ray up a little bit, and then at, at the end of the movie, he's gonna come in like this big hero with his lightsaber, and he's gonna save the day. We, I think, most of us were on that that track, and I was definitely on that track. He I, did in a way. Well, he but did, just of not the way did. we thought. Definitely not the. It did not go the way we thought. Um, and I'm I, I am so glad for that because what we got instead. And this is going away. I mean, we're straying from Carrie's question now, but I think it just gives us a much more fitting end for Luke. Like, imagine how, like, thank God uh, Lucasfilm didn't just troll the internet looking for good fan theories and, and good headcanon to say, oh, there, look at that. Look at this fan. This, that's pretty cool. Put that in the movie. Like, oh, it, legends. It, it legends. It would have been so boring if, if to make, to just... To, to pluck the Luke that we all had in our, our minds for 30 years. The godlike warrior, right? Just put him in a movie. That'll be great. Well, it makes some cool action scenes, but it doesn't really make sense with with the Star Wars world. And so I, I'm, I'm just so glad we got this much more nuanced and layered character of Luke. And I think the way he goes out is just epic. It's It's just unbelievably epic. And, the, and and for what it means, right? Like it's his final. It, it I can't even put it into words. It's, I have such a hard time with it. Like it's his final stand against Kylo. Uh, You're wrong. Yeah, I love that. Everything, everything. you just said is wrong. But it, it took a couple viewings. But think about all the ties in that battle to the to to the OT. Luminous beings are we. Right, wars not make one great. And here's Luke being a luminous being, not fighting, and winning the day again, right? Because in, in in Jedi, it's only when he throws away his lightsaber that the Emperor is defeated. That's it. Like it, Luke's whole thing is is not fighting, and I thought this was just the perfectly fitting ending for Luke. And like he gets to go out on his own. Like I'd have been, I would have been so pissed. If Kylo like runs a, a saber through his actual chest, or, or Snoke cooks him with Force lightning, that would that wouldn't have been fitting for Luke. Like if it, for Luke to go out this way, for me was so much better. Yeah, I th- it, <clears throat> again, we're I I, th- I personally think that we're just so blessed to have this film in the sense that we're still gi- digesting it. It's it's just so different, and again, like every time I've seen it so far, there's. There's just so much to talk about and so much to take away from the storytelling behind it. 
um, granted, again, it, it might have its problems and all that, and uh, the Disneyfication of it all and whatever. But I think the cinematic experience I had that night was unlike any other I had ever had, kind of. And it was almost again like the Empire of our day. And I think it's just personally, like from what I hear, it it kind of gets better with time, and it's gotten better for me. I mean, I, for James, I think it's it's kind of gotten a little bit worse. So I mean, it's it, this one's gonna have to play out on a, on a long scale. And I think Nine's going to have a big part to do with that as well. Like I said earlier that I think Ryan had a lot of rope with this film being that it's a sequel in a trilogy. Like, you know, he doesn't have to end it, but he kind of wrote his own thing, but it still leaves it open-ended. And he just had a lot of rope, basically, to do what he kind of wanted. Well, the, and the, it was... end, the end of 8 is sort of the reset button. I mean, it kind of does end in a way. And... There, oh, it's it, it is almost, film. Like, you can almost paint episode nine as a jumping on point of the rebellion yeah. against the empire. Like it's they're completely starting over. I, w- I was thinking about that today. There's a lot to cover in episode nine. If they're wrapping up this trilogy and this story's not moving forward, like man, they got a lot to cover. There's a, like and and that's one of the things I'm so happy about with episode eight is because I've got nothing on nine, absolutely nothing. I could not tell you the first thing about what's going to happen in that movie. No clue. James, are you still there? Oh, yeah. Okay, James is still there. <laughs> we lost James again. I mean, me and Corey have just been babbling like idiots for the last 10 minutes. You know what it is? I'm, I actually have purposefully, like, biting my tongue because I, I, as you guys know, I've, I've got some criticisms and I, I really do want to try to stay positive. So I'm focusing on the good stuff, which is keeping me quiet. <laughs> sometimes it's true though like like another good thing about this film is that i again i won't say that i didn't have problems with some of this stuff but some people like i i've interpreted things that people are like oh wow that's really enlightened take and then i've heard other people talk about things and i'm like holy shit i i never thought of it from that perspective that's really cool the, well more than anything this this movie has generated some actually really good think pieces <laughs> most of the movies generate fluff this one is on both sides has brought about some really good perspectives on on both sides of the fence on all kinds of conversations it's 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 been really good i, I wanted this movie to be challenging and it has been and I, I for me i'm just lucky that it worked for me because i would have been really disappointed if I, I walked away feeling cold about this movie um yeah, I mean, a lot of people did. I mean, James, James is, is you. You started out happy, and then quickly, kind of said, "Ah, oh, it's, it's not sitting well, guys." It's like you have this great steak that you just suddenly get indigestion from. <laughs> sort of. I think. I think it was two things. It's a very entertaining movie, and I've I've sort of settled on the idea that like, um, if it if it was a standalone, I'd like it more. Part of what I don't like about it is how it sits in its place relative to the movies that came before it. That's a lot of a lot of my issue, and partly it was like a great one night stand. It was so different than than you know than what I was used to. I was distracted by all the all the shiny surprises, but as I as it sat for me, as I thought about it, um, there were more and more things that just sort of bothered me. And we'll have to see how JJ handles episode nine because it's, it's it's really tough. To ju- give this movie its full, final man. judgment, right? Like, what's this movie's final judgment in a in context of of this trilogy and the nine part 
Saga at large, it's it's impossible to say. We, we It's not complete yet. I agree with so you, and I think I could will... like it a lot more in, in five years from now. And not just because of Nine. I th- it is still, I think it's, there's a long game on the digestion of this movie. It, it's got to have a, a Broom Boy ending at a much larger scale. Hmm. Well, and you, and you know what? Like, boy, have we gone all over the place with Carrie's question. So, well, th- thank you, Carrie, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how do you feel about that ending of Broom Boy? The way it's 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 a way different. It, it's an epilogue, really, which we don't get in Star Wars. Should should the movie have ended the way Star Wars movies ends with the Falcon blasting off to light speed and then Iris out, and then the score, or are you happy with Broom Boy? You know what? I have to. I just want to take this one because I have to say, like, cinematically, I thought it was such a beautiful visual. And, you know, the whole ring thing with the flashing of the ring. At first, when I saw it, I was like, huh? But then, you know, the second time seeing it, I was like, man, this is so, like, it was like a touchback to uh, Buck Rogers or Flash Gordon to me. Like, those cereal box things, you know, like, uh, I thought that was so cool. And then just to see him at the end to have been affected by that, he is the spark lit by the rebellion that they talk about throughout the whole movie. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, if it was the end of the saga, I think that would be a perfect little epilogue that, you know, uh, Luke Skywalker's legend really did spark something. Like, he, his... Luke believed that his legend was all bunk, but it really does stand for something now because he 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 saved the rebellion. He gave it new life on that day. Um, it, it I think as part of the story, it works. Um, I I it's, it feels odd in Star Wars to have that, and it feels odd in its place in Episode Eight to f- suddenly get that. So that's that's one of the challenges I had with with the Last Jedi. Even like again, like even though it's a beautiful little scene. It just fits so oddly. Um, all right, I think I think we're done with that. So I, I think Ad's kind of alluded to this, so we'll, we'll just we'll loop this back. Do we trust Ryan Johnson with with his own trilogy? Corey, you go first. It's, just, it's hard to say. To be honest, does, does he trust himself? Is he confident enough oh, yeah. to take that? Yes. <laughs> Then I would have to say yes, but I I personally think that we've seen a better track record with having different directors involved. I think every I I like a different flavor. No, no, I mean just just on surface level. Do you do you trust that he's going to give you a good Star Wars story? Yes, I do. I think he gives a very intriguing story in the Last Jedi. I think he's given us something to mull over for the next couple of years. I think this movie has a lot of layers to it. And a lot of nuance and just a lot of things to talk about that people keep bringing up things to me. And I'm like, I'm a pretty smart guy. Like, I, I like movies and I've studied movies in school and stuff. And there, I keep hearing these things. I'm like, hey, you know what? That's a really different way to look at this film. And I'm like, wow, or this character or whatever it is. And I'm loving that. I love that this film just I, – I, I said to you guys a hundred times, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. But they, they did take me off guard and – I was very surprised that they actually had the the ability to do that, and not in a bad way where, you know, it was easy. I think they did it in ways that were very 
you know, well thought out. Well, for better or worse, I mean, Ryan Johnson made some bold, bold choices for better or worse. And it worked for some people and it really missed for others. Uh, but like it's, I said, we've, we've like got years to kind of mull this over and massage it and see if it, it feels better in the morning, you know? It's, it's like one of those things, like, if not now, when? Fork in the road. That's what I called it. Yep. Yep. We are, we've broken off the path. But I, 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 I'm looking forward to Ryan's trilogy simply because it's, it's going to be his. He's not working with J.J. Abrams. There's nothing. There's, there's no treatment from George Lucas in front of him. I, I think it's, it's him telling his story. And I think it'll be more cohesive that way. So, yes, I, I, hope I, saw, he, I still trust the guy. I hope he touches base with George a bit. The Godfather. George, what do you think of this? Well, like Kathleen it. said he's still kind of lurking in the weeds, right? I think you should uh, put that on the shelf. George is like the Phantom of the Opera. He lives in the rafters. <laughs> <laughs> the terrible idea you've got down there. Um, <clears throat> all right. So finally, uh, just just to put some closure on Carrie's question, uh, where are we at here? All right, so is, is Luke true to his character? That's it, a tough one. It's a By the one. end, yes, but it's hard to accept that he yes. went that far. I'll say it's – is it true to his character? I'll, I'll, I'll put it differently. I'll loophole it, Corey. I'll say it's it's honest. It's an honest take. I would say I think we need a little more literature or something behind those years, even though I think we got it now. <laughs> uh, I haven't read The Legends of Luke Skywalker, but stuff leading up to you should. this moment. You should. I mean, I didn't love I the we'll... book, but I think you should – I think you should. It's an easy read. I think you should uh, give it a listen because you'll go, oh, I get it. I get the Luke now from The Last Jedi a little bit better. All right. I think I think uh, that's it, Carrie. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Powerful Friends program. Thank you again for signing up, and, and thank you for your question this week. That was awesome sauce. And we have a question from Jeffrey, but I'm gassed. So we're going to roll it over to next week. It was a, a terrific Seinfeld question. And uh, it, it'll make it for some good fireworks in episode 109. Hey, Jeffrey. Hey, I just discovered uh, riding to in cars to get coffee with comedians. Just started watching that. Oh, man. It's great. It, eh? It's good, eh? It is fantastic. Did you watch? We watched his, his, uh, his special. Yeah, so did we. It's, it's it's so good. I mean, he used a bunch of jokes from the from the sitcom. I was like, "What? You're actually dusting that one off?" He's yeah, still it, great. It was great. He's still I great. I love Jerry yeah. Seinfeld. Yeah, I saw him on Fallon the other night. Yeah, he's. I, I love the guy. Um, so it's Jeffrey, funny because yeah, sorry. No, it's okay, uh, Jeffrey. We're gonna we're gonna tackle this next week. We'll have some some prime takes for you, and just a little sneak peek. If if people can't get enough of Corey and I, we're gonna be on the Canto cast with Jeffrey. Uh, coming up in a, in a couple weeks' time, which is going to be a lot of fun. So we'll keep you posted there. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to speak with with Jeffrey and Tristan on their show. All right, guys. James, do you want to get something else in there before we close up? Uh, nope. I I uh, was just going to say that Fallon was talking to uh, Seinfeld about that appearance on his show, and Jerry was like, "Yeah, you go on your show sucks. I got to write a stand up bit." He was not looking forward to it. <laughs> I'll take it from here. Uh, I I think you want you want to check out James and his new podcast <laughs> at an unexpected podcast, uh, all about Lord of the Rings. It's awesome. <clears throat> I've listened to the first episode twice. 
and uh yeah i'm super proud of you bro like you guys are tackling it man you've inspired me to want to like pick up some more tolkien again thanks and, man uh, yeah man thanks bro yeah I, i'm I, i'm down way to pick up the ball and run with it there um yeah to check us out at an unexpected pod on twitter i've actually you know I, james as you know i i i'm definitely gonna be following along with you guys and i'll be uh, whatever game you guys try to play with it like let's do this chapter by chapter i'll I'll try and play with the program but i've actually gone out and, and picked up a bunch of uh, more tolkien books really so what, what, yeah well i mean you you know i've picked up uh children of, of hearing yeah I, I did know that uh, I, I got the silmarillion uh, and you're... i've got something something else on order i forget now we'll have to talk when we do our collecting segment and see where you're at kyle sounds like you might have uh you might have the bug no, no, no. I'm just I'm ordering just the simple paperbacks. It's it's nothing. Uh, they're, they're not treasures. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I cannot swing another uh, collecting tangent. I can't do it. Uh, okay, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for your earballs this week, and uh, thank you to Ads, Brad, Katie, and Carrie for your questions and thoughts. Much appreciated. And. Like I always say at the end of the show, I don't know many things in this world, but I do know that our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth are going to put out another week of amazing content. So go to StarWarsCommonwealth.com and check out all the shows there, or just go over to Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribe to the different shows there, and, and improve your life immeasurably. And uh, also, again, one last time, if you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more from us, Patreon.com slash Saber. Uh, where you can get the exclusive Sith Disturbers and Journals of the Willing, where we talk about Star Wars comics and books and uh, Worthy of Recognition, where we talk to you, the powerful friends, and uh, a bunch of well, the giveaways. We got the, the 40th anniversary Leia this month, and who knows what else. The contest what we did was was a lot of fun. We were, I'm, I think I'm going to do another one for Han Solo. And uh, yeah, man, the, the Powerful Friends program is in full effect. And we're almost at our goal of, of 30 people. So come over and join the crowd and uh, thank us later. And we'll thank you a million times over. All right, guys. Where can we find the two of you on Twitter? James, you have, you have two handles to pump now. Yeah, I'm still at... Uh, and this one makes more sense now when I do it this way. But I'm at Tommy Bombadil, one. And now at, uh, at an unexpected pod. Uh, so come check... Uh, come follow us along. And Corey? Yeah, I'm going to pull a little uh, Candido here and be like, for me? <laughs> that, that's, that's Candido doing Bill Burr. That's a terrible Candido. It's, it was so good. <laughs> I love when it, for me. You can find me at Chop Rules with a Z. First one at 2018, baby. In the can. All right. I, I'm at Tumbling Saber all over the place. Come check us out and uh, come talk Star Wars with us. And so that's it, guys. We're also on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else. Uh, but have yourselves a great week. We're back uh, disturbing the Sith. The Sith disturbers are going to reconvene this week and uh, shake the beehive for you. And so that's it. Until then, have yourselves a great week. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.
watching you walking away from me Were you watching me? Was it just a dream? Just a dream And I believe I can save you Just don't let me go And I can see I'll be waiting Always waiting And I believe I can save you Let me save you And I can see I'll be waiting Always waiting Just don't Corey, did you catch how I cut the Z out of the end of my show? Ads, ads tried to slip one in, but no, 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 no. <laughs> uh.